0: I asked her if she wanted to go to church yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we were driving by a church, and I think we were we were just coming down from, a, like, intense conversation, uh, intense in a healthy way, uh, about something. And then we drove by a church, and I was like, hey, you want to walk in there and just see what it's like, see what the vibe is? We didn't go.
1: Well. It- was it already in session? Like, could you have been opening the doors while the preacher was speaking? I don't think so, but that would have been cooler. I want to get like the
0: vibe of, I haven't been to church in like 20 years. I'm, I'm curious as to how
1: things have changed in their dialogue. Probably hasn't changed a lot would be my guess. It's not like that's a bastion of change there in those doors. <laughs> But, you know, people change without knowing it. Mm, Do they? Yeah, people
0: change without self-awareness that they've changed. Isn't change, like, up to the observer to take note of in a lot of cases?
1: I think people know when they... Well, when you make big changes anyway. Slight changes never seem like a change to you. Right. Because it's happening so slowly.
0: That's how weight and height and hair color and hair length works for most people. Like you can't tell because you aren't observing yourself.
1: Some people look in the mirror quite a bit,
0: (laughs) but does that scale up in your opinion? What do you mean? An organization or a company or a religion?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but usually it's because they're hitting growth points or non growth points
0: yeah so these uh,
1: obstacles that require them to to change
0: right so in in the realms of religion, if the entire paradigm of what they're there to do to begin with changes without their like input, then the observer would be able this is why I wanted to walk into a church the other day. I wanted to see if the dynamic of what they discuss has evolved or changed over the course of the last 20 years. I want to see if
1: they probably still do keep it pretty topical stuff that's in the news or I would, I would imagine.
0: I see. But it used to be like, if I would throw on a sermon from like uh, a popular church on YouTube, it'd be a lot of like end times talk and a lot of, uh, you know, we, we have to do a lot. We're asked to do a lot because of, the world today and what's going on is scary and all of these reference points. Does that ever change for, I'm not Probably saying. Probably not. Yeah. Cause the book of revelations, like a legit you know book inside of the Bible and it's always going to be the way that it is as far as the text is concerned. But can the interpretation of what the words mean change? Yeah,
1: it'll change.
0: Right. And, and just, so if it changes, like do, do certain ways of teaching spirituality and uh, the Bible, like mm. do, do they get outdated to the point where they're no longer like effective?
1: It, it'll just be reworked. Like you might not talk about certain passages and now you emphasize different passages uh, as a time goes by mm. what's happening mm. currently around us you know affects the interpretation.
0: Right. I worry I don't worry about this, but I find it interesting that like when the general um, we don't have to talk about this for the entire 100th episode. Plus I haven't pressed record yet. Oh. Maybe I have. I won't tell you if I did.
1: <laughs> I don't care if you
0: did. Just observe um but I worry, uh, worry is not the right word. It crosses my mind that When the general public catches wind of technological advancements, that they'll react, the general public that it is religiously influenced heavily, that they'll react similarly to like the tech sector reacting in the Skynet direction. And the analogy there is like you'll get a lot of religious extremism if the idea that this dominating sector of technology is present in everyday life without people's approval. What do you mean? I don't, you feel as if like AI could be positioned as the antagonist in a lot of people's stories.
1: Well, technology in general would be an antagonist.
0: Yeah. But the people that go to church aren't going to be hypocritical and say it's technology in general and then go home and like, let TV suck their brains out and talk on their phone and do all this. I mean,
1: but they may separate out their TV from technology though. So a TV TV or a radio is entertainment, (laughs) but that's because they grew up with that technology. Right. But, but the way that the entertainment's presented to you still doesn't seem technological. So when you say technological, you're talking about a laptop or a, or, or a smartphone in a lot of cases, um,
0: well Sure, to the yeah. older generation that's not familiar with the introduction of that technology
1: And they're not going to get introduced to that technology.
0: right. which is the interesting part in this preliminary I mean, discussion. A lot
1: of Facebook's on it and
0: they're Right, like, or Farmville, they like that. They love Farmville or casino slots. Boy, all you got to do is throw in like a virtual AR slot machine and you can get these old parts to do whatever the hell you want. Just like every once in a while, you get a free spin chance of yeah. five bucks.
1: Crossword puzzles would go along. <laughs> Sudoku. Sudoku. Hey, my dad does Sudoku. Yeah, He's just advertise to them in the middle of the games. Just <laughs> AI nudge them as you while say. they're driving.
0: Like autopilot will kick in in three, two, one. But here's a Sudoku for you. <laughs> you are you are approaching a heavy intersection of traffic. We don't like your chances of taking over the wheel. Here's a Sudoku. <laughs> Make it palatable. But at the crux of this conversation is, um, in my estimation, is a darker sort of talk about conservatism. And the idea of stuff that's introduced during your time on this planet seems to seems to embed itself as like part of what you've helped bring about into existence during your lifetime and that anything new that threatens that departure is viewed with antagonism and always has been
1: well that's how it will always be. Hmm. Is it right? Well, I think it's just human nature. There's no right, no wrong. Is it effective? I don't think that it matters whether it's effective or not effective.
0: (laughs) Is not being able to answer this question part of the like resistance that I'm insinuating?
1: What do you mean? Not, you, you feel like people are resisting AI, right? But No, not they, yet, but they will. But they probably won't because there's not going to be this one all-encompassing AI that just does one thing. Mm. I mean, it's going to be Facebook's AI, TikTok's AI. There's going to be competing AIs that everybody you're going to go. With. So you're going to go to the Fox. These guys are just going to go to the Fox News AI.
0: Why was social media so easy to sweep in and convince everyone that it was cool is it because like
1: just connecting people
0: right but that was kind of like a that was a mask and behind the mask was like a disgusting villain with scars all over his face if you go with the social dilemma Rhetoric that we've kind of subscribed to over the yeah. last three or four well, years. Well,
1: and that's AI gone wrong, right? That's AI Yeah, that sending is, people, making up stories and sending people right. down the wrong path. That's AI in the past. Uh, it's going to be AI in the future as well. But you've
0: already seen it.
1: What do you, you mean I've already seen it?
0: You've seen that negative side
1: of steering people incorrectly. You can't steer them more I, incorrectly. But what I see is negative. The next person may not see as negative. Who am I to say my view is the only view? Oh yeah, no, I agree there. I
0: guess my suggestion—I bring this conundrum up often. Surprise, it's not on my bingo card after hundred episodes. But the idea that we
1: definitely is
0: the idea Welcome that we to
1: episode one hundred as we enter our fiftieth AI segment. Go ahead.
0: Fiftieth AI segment, year seventeen. I it think, feels I like think
1: it. AI is nearing COVID. It should be. It's No, it's not quite there. Though. Next to COVID, time COVID,
0: the biggest two stories in the last five years. Well, AI is... As far as hum, human existence that, is concerned.
1: I don't know that AI is ready to take that leap or jump forward into being that important because it's not... Implemented practically in everyday life.
0: But we just got done saying that it has been. That was my point of saying that well, it has been for in, a very long time.
1: In, in small increments, and, and one might say that that's not true. Social media is not a
0: small increment, my friend.
1: Social well, media I mean, has I mean, steered
0: people's everyday life for the last 10 years in but a lot of regards.
1: generally people's opinions and postings that are steering things, not necessarily AI. AI in in that realm has only been there to keep you on it. But to, with the algorithms to keep you reading, at play, to keep you posting, it's not there to.
0: Um, but the algorithms take, at play that were discussed in like the social dilemma, for example, that tapped into polarization of views and the fact that you well,
1: would. It's because it knew by polarizing you, you would be on the app more. It was all about getting you to use the app more. It was not about polarizing you
0: why wouldn't it be about polarizing you if that's what generates – how is it chicken and egg there? Like how how can you suggest that it's about the time spent versus the other way around? Like what if they deduced that you spent more time when you polarized?
1: The AI had to learn that, and when it learned that, it it manipulated that.
0: But we've always known that people – So it was
1: already there before AI ever came along
0: but so was the fact that people generally pay more attention to negative content than
1: positive content. I don't know that that's true. Polarizing. Yes. I don't know about negative or positive. Oh. I mean, I guess you can consider if you watch the news and all you see is this people, these people are murdered and that, yeah. people are murder. but is that, is that specifically negative or does it, well, it Go is. just play into the fascination that we as humans seem to have with crime.
0: Yeah, we talked about that too, but we'll, but what's at the core of that? Like people, <laughs> we tried to we tried to look at at that under a microscope in previous episodes. It's difficult to do because some people yeah. are genuinely interested in like figuring out the crimes and how to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Some people are interested in the I don't know. The de- how it happened. How it happened, the development. Um, yeah. And some people enjoy seeing people die
1: on television. Well, people like to see people die in video games.
0: That too. <laughs> I guess it's a field day for anybody who has the technology to steer people in directions, and it always has been. Since the advent of like just general media in this country, whether it was well,
1: since the advent of the Bible,
0: I think that's the first source of acquiring data on it. I don't necessarily think that the int like the intention to steer them in a certain direction was there to begin with, because you had no predictor models then you have just a group of guys that were sitting at a table editing a book and putting together pieces of it in a certain sequence, omitting other aspects to uh, try to elicit a general result. But unless they were using technology that they had access to in advance of 20th century stuff, they had no idea that it was going to turn into this and then that and then this. And you'd have they, they hundred segregations. I mean, they, 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 they literally,
1: um, literally had mobs of people that they were communicating with. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you they could do some experimentation and understand generally how to sway the mob one way or another. Generally. And just through observation, which is, you know, the, the beginning of it all. Now, instead of only being able to uh, look at data from the people in front of you and, and how they respond, now you can look at worldwide data and how people have responded, um, electronically anyway. Mm-hmm. That's the only difference is that you have more data. But like I've said, sometimes more data does not necessarily mean better.
0: No, Price's Law would agree with you. But you can also, using Price's Law's model, you can hone in on the good data easier than ever now.
1: Again, it just depends on on who it is and what what they're trying to do. Like there's always going to be people bucking the system. There will always be. There will always be a dark web, right? In some way, shape or form. There'll always be somebody trying to get away with something somewhere. Human nature. I don't think you can teach that out of them or AI out of them.
0: No, you can't, but you can make what they're trying to get away with a little bit more well, palatable. The, the,
1: the idea would be to, ma- to de-incentivize what they see as valuable.
0: Yes, or what they're peddling and what they're trying to get away with as profitable.
1: Well, I mean, attention, though, is the one thing that, I don't know that we can de incentivize because if you do, people kill themselves because they're not getting enough attention or have, you know, bad. uh, What's the word I'm looking for? An existential crisis. Um, Yeah. Or they just have a, you know, just a negative outlook on life all the time. Uh, We're not there. Uh, I don't think so. In. In pockets of society, we're not there? Where pe- well, sure. I mean, there are always going to be those pockets that have issues.
0: So then what if you hone into those pockets to observe what has led to that and you build accordingly so that those segments of society don't grow?
1: We we're talking about probably something that have to come in the answer of a pill or a shot. To fix everyone. Because well, some of you it's could go just, back to 20th
0: century chemical. style and you can do like electrical mm-hmm. current manipulation.
1: Yeah, but I think we know that doesn't work. Well, do we? I, I believe so. Yeah, that's why we're not.
0: It was, illegal. It was frying, deemed illegal.
1: <clears throat> frying people's brains. There's
0: less intrusive ways of doing it than frying people's brains. Yeah, I don't think
1: Frankenstein is the way to go.
0: People are Frankensteins right now. That's an interesting point.
2: Mentally speaking,
0: well, they're, yeah. If you were to look at the way their brains work and what they're asked to do and their attention span, it kind of turns into an amalgam of little bursts of different chemical reactions in multiple directions and i think it's it's a weird catch-22 because that could be really good if you have a self-aware person who can connect all of their brain activity like to a conscious sort of streamline of oh hey my attention gets grabbed when my espn notification thing goes off and i look at my phone because i really like sports But I don't like to listen to my wife talk for more than a minute or two because she's not telling me anything that's like as cool as the dinger on the ESPN notification. And I'm trying to simulate like a guy with a short attention span who is nudged in a hundred different directions throughout the day and can't see that he is kind of like responsible for making it all work for him in a healthier way. And I think that's the crossroads. Everybody has to be willing to approach is you do have to look in the mirror and like assess whether or not you have work to do. On yourself, otherwise you do get kind of replaced just naturally, not like physically replaced, but you get replaced if you can't figure shit out. You get replaced, right? Pretty much. That shouldn't but, be. But there's a
1: big, there's a big movement of why do you have to figure anything out? So you don't get replaced. If you don't figure anything out, you don't get pro- replaced. You never get you never get put anywhere if you don't figure anything out. Like, we've got a. There's a pretty good section of people out there that aren't necessarily skilled and are supported by others. And so they've never had to know anything or do anything. So they're never really having to be replaced. They just are there.
2: Unsure. Okay.
0: To be determined. Okay. There's a big pause there. I'll have to edit that.
1: Oh, no, that's all right.
0: But I like to, I Like to think through my responses a little more now,
1: <laughs> why is that
0: they're weightier oh, okay. they they matter more to me that's okay. some of the that's some of the awareness that I've realized in the last three or four years of doing this. Is it just shooting at the hip nonstop I mean, if you're a trained okay corral style gunfighter okay you're in good you're in good shape, and you know what for what it's worth, I am. I'm a red dead revolving sort of gunslinger when it comes to shooting from the hip, but I'd like to challenge myself and see if I can like take care of the opponent with one or two shots instead of just and like hitting (laughs) four out of five. I want (sighs) to say, I want to save the bullets. Okay. So yes and no. I mean, I don't like to bring up the past on this show, but let's take your, ex-wife or my ex-wife for that matter as examples here
1: replaced that's different
0: <laughs> but yes replaced and flip it around they replaced us no they but they but they didn't that's the difference no flip it around our partners we are replacements for them as well yeah there was a mutual sort of independent cycle of growth between those people in order for them to join together.
1: You might've just had similar interests. I don't know if it's all that. (laughs) You might've just had to be in the right place at the right time, which would be coincidence or fate. Well, that's the, but that's the
0: sci-fi way of looking at it. I'm trying to science it out and say the coincidence and faith is dependent on the work and the effort that people put forth to be in those positions.
1: Like opportunity is not a signing up for a dating app is not work. It's not improvement. Yeah.
0: But would you have ever signed up for a dating app while married? Uh, Don't answer that question. If you don't (laughs) feel comfortable answering that question.
1: I mean, (laughs) probably generally (laughs) once it's over, it's over, right?
0: No, but generally no. Five years ago, you wouldn't have signed up for a dating app. No, I
1: wouldn't have. But I wasn't. My marriage wasn't over at that point, but you know what I'm saying? Yes, I know what you're saying. I know.
0: And I feel feel the same way. I wouldn't have flirted with a beautiful young woman at a video store unless my marriage was done with or on its way to being done with, and I felt that. But those are – that's like awareness. You have to be aware of those things. If you're not aware, then you're just you're infidelis and you're you're cheating. Like if my if I I, was in a
1: healthy marriage, one might argue that that is a level of awareness. What infidelity and in and in going through it. In some
0: cases, I could see that. Yes, in some cases, infidelity might be an unconscious sense of awareness, but in some cases, it's just instinctual shooting from the hip but you're not a good shot.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Doubt it.
0: Well, it depends on the individuals involved. If Maybe. you have a if you have a an ignorant person who isn't self-aware and has no sense of accountability, then their infidelity is probably less rooted in sensibility than it is in like something credulous or incredulous. All right. It's okay to say that dumb people do dumb things and that smart people have reasons behind why they do things. Yeah. It's okay that there's a a gap there.
1: Yeah, I'm not arguing that.
0: So perhaps more intelligence results in different responses from the world around you certainly like opportunity would suggest that right because for the longest time I've been told you know um, if you do these these things the opportunities will just come and you know I'm aware enough to know that those kinds of opportunities are like my my antagonist to my being an example of that is um, like a sponsorship from a major company or something like that. If we started recording the show in a studio, we started promoting it and we started marketing. And then we got approached by a big company that was interested in sponsoring our program. But I didn't align with what the company stood for. Then like my conscious awareness of my ethical standards would prevent me from Entertaining that doesn't matter who the company, I mean, it matters to the company, but don't you think though opportunity in that sense, isn't,
1: isn't real that going down that path limits you. It limits
0: me according to the limitations that have been set by the model up to this point. Yeah,
1: but I mean, if you you're, you're choosing to go, okay, nope, you can't sponsor me. Nope, you can't sponsor me. Mm-hmm. Nope, you can't sponsor me.
0: Then you're a contract holdout, like an athlete in the NFL.
1: Well, and then you're also not making any money. Um, That's doing fair. anything, right? Mm-hmm. And what if some cor- corporations have a bad name but really haven't done much? Negative. Okay. Let's say Exxon wants to sponsor us.
0: But what would we have to do for something like that to occur? We'd have to talk about oil and gas
1: for we, we may not. a they percentage may just of our show. Not Give a shit. Well, if they asked us to do that, that'd be different, right? Yeah. Then we'd be both be like, yeah, we're not... Oh, okay, we'll, we'll talk about oil and gas, how it's destroying the
0: planet. Yeah, we'll talk about we'll, Deepwater Horizon a little bit, BP, and yeah. how it's basically the they, bank system and bailouts.
1: They would probably be okay with us talking about other oil companies' yeah. <laughs> problems, right? Hmm. But I mean... There, there's some give and take like I, I wouldn't work for uh, you know white supremacist group sponsored company or something mm-hmm. like that I you know there's definitely um, lines in the sand but uh, I would allow Jerry Jones to sponsor me even though he's even though he's a questionable white supremacist well I don't know about that but even though he's had children out of wedlock, treated them like crap, clearly cheated on his wife, and has questionable morals. I mean, he was an oil man. <laughs> and by the way, any old white guy, and uh, that's going to be a white guy, 60 year older, I'm is not, partially racist. I, and if you I just want to hold it against him, and... No put them to a frying pan and we can do that all day long. That's how
0: I don't want to do it on that general condition. I want to do it on the, the notion that he's also an owner of an NFL team with a lot of African Americans on it. And beyond that, during the Colin Kaepernick situation, he was very vocal about how, if anybody on his team contemplated doing something like that, he would let them go. So he levied sort of his supremacy as not a white guy, as the owner of the team, which, you know, when you levy your supremacy as an owner of someone, just the general lexicon and the the terminology that you're insinuating there sort of creates a subordinate and master style of relationship. Or a, I'm it, in control it, it, of your between, actions
1: style of relationship. Well, it, it's more like these actions are not going to be allowed inside my company. Doesn't someone have that right?
0: Yeah, but where this do you is draw my, the line
1: there? This is my company. Where do you draw the line there?
0: If you own the company
1: and. and well, you, there are legal boundaries. Is, crea- right?
0: is he the creative guru behind the Dallas Cowboys? Is he the offensive coordinator? Is he the running back, the quarterback. <laughs> but all he does is he, he he cuts checks and he watches his team from above. I don't know that he necessarily is involved in every transaction or in
1: every decision. But, but isn't the guy signing the checks the guy? In the model of the NFL. He he only has molded that team into one of the most valuable sports franchises in the world. And how far have they gotten in the playoffs off of of being
0: the most valuable franchise in the world? None of that matters, but but you... Justin Bieber hasn't won a Grammy yet.
1: Well, that's rightfully so. Has he earned one? No, but he's the most
0: popular male vocal. No, maybe not anymore, but he's one of the most popular male vocalists. Like what good is popularity?
1: Well, uh, well, you're, you're saying that he's not a coach. He's not this, he's not that, but he has built the franchise that these guys play for mm-hmm. into something pretty freaking major. So yes. while you're saying he's not part of this, he is ultimately a part of that because that wouldn't exist without the up. How much of, well, Jerry Jones is an interesting example, but how much
0: of, his legacy is really just like on the shoulders of the great coaches he had in the 90s. I'm sure most of it is. Right. And so isn't he sort of compensating at this point for like, he hasn't made many great decisions. The Dallas Cowboys aren't necessarily America's team anymore. I mean, Patriots
1: might've surpassed them. Maybe.
0: Well, certainly, in legacy and honors they have, but as far as viewership, they're still number one and I, and you know that's kind of like saying Pepsi's still the most drink, or coca cola's still the most popular drink out there that doesn't make it the healthiest or the best for like daily consumption.
1: And no one's saying it is
0: but if coca cola can buy out marketing and advertising and get the deals for the majority of the Sunday night uh advertisement reels and show ads on YouTube, left and right, that doesn't make them, like, the the biggest deal. It makes them just the wealthiest that can sort of simulate that they're the biggest deal.
1: Well, they are the biggest deal.
0: Based on their ability to buy out the
1: system? No, based on the longevity in the industry. Yeah, and based on market share. And market share goes hand in hand with the advertising.
0: I don't connect with that making you the biggest deal because I get it. Why visually the biggest deal? Yes. Check. like they get into more brain, the Dallas Cowboys and what's going on with the Cowboys gets into more brains of NFL fans than any other franchise, but how and why it gets into the brains isn't for like the right reasons. It's not because they're more interesting to watch. I think hard knocks proves that. I mean, they were the first hard knocks, right? I don't remember. I think you had to kick, yeah, you kicked off Hard Knocks with the Dallas Cowboys to get everybody on board with what Hard Knocks was so that they'd be like, oh, this is interesting. But then, like, you got the Browns and you got lesser, lower market teams. I guess... It's like, it's it's my general assertion on this show over the course of 99 episodes. Episode 100 is that i don't know that we have to sign off on the idea that the most popular thing is the biggest thing because in today's world what popularity well, is not organic
1: well <coughs> it in a way it is yes in a way <clears throat>
0: in a way it is organic
1: yeah i mean part of it is it, all you have to do is don't you think viral post organic? To a certain extent. I don't know that there's such a thing as a viral post anymore. Okay. A post that receives 1 million views within a week, don't you think there that there, there's organicness to that? It's not like it's advertised, right? It's, it's
0: fascinating just, that you're that you're bringing this as an example up. Um let me try to answer simply, no. Um That's not organic. It's
1: not organic. Uh well The video may not be Mm -hmm. but But the attention that it gets popularity and attention and views the spread is organic so like on
0: any given day elon musk he's got 135 million followers on twitter um and in general
1: there's 135 million twitter (laughs) users
0: yes but um it's been also identified that a large chunk of his followers are fake accounts so that's part of what i was going to get into here it's not the main part but i yeah 131 million followers and so like just today for example um twitter shows you the metrics now under each post even if it's from somebody else like you'll see how many uh, likes it has how many views it has uh, how many retweets etc etc so elon musk 135 million followers this is the deceptive part here Today he tweets uh, the news story about Microsoft firing their AI safety team, which is like two day old news. And so this tweet might garner a lot of steam and attention on Twitter. But even then, you've got 5.2 million views. That seems like a high number, right? Your bra- the brain of the brain of someone who thinks that that is how many view people saw is not that's not real like you're allowed to think that 5.2 million people saw that but the reality is they didn't like because the views are it's the way that things are presented now on Twitter if i scroll by something it, it can be it can be force fed to me on my feed firstly i don't even have to be subscribing to it And if I scroll down and I just scroll right by it, it's a view. So 5.2 million views doesn't mean 5.2 million people paid attention to something. 29,000 people liked it. Okay. If you evaluate like the metrics of the real accounts versus the fake accounts that follow Elon Musk and the likelihood of them liking one of his posts, it's like something like 40 to 60%. It was just released earlier this week that it's, an egregiously high number for his—he's got 135 million followers, so a large percentile of them are just bot or fake accounts. So you give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'll say 70% of those 30,000 likes are real. So that leaves us with um, like 8,000 that aren't real. So we're we're like a 28, or I'm sorry, 20, 21,000 real likes. Okay, like if if I'm a mayor of a c- city that population is 20,000, I can have a city council meeting and get them to agree with me on something. So that's the level of influence that that tweet has. So far, 20,000 people liked it. So you're saying that, like, here here's where the, the trickery is. Like, there's so much attention paid to a guy like Elon Musk, the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm not saying there shouldn't be, but what I'm saying is this is like the deceptiveness of it. 21,000 likes is the equivalent of a mayor saying something very strong to his town of 20,000 people and they all agree with him. Like that's not far-fetched. That's not something to be like spread out in all these arteries of the world. That's 21,000 people that agree with something. That's like a tiny fraction. And it doesn't mean they agree. It just means they pressed a button that gave a little heart to the tweet. They didn't have to read the article. They didn't, like, he didn't ask for agreeance on anything. He didn't say, Microsoft fired their AI safety team. Do you like this? Press like if you do. <laughs> like, the, the choice to like it is up to the observer. But even further than that, 6,200 people retweeted it. Okay. So out of the 135 million hypothetical real people that follow him, if you think like that Elon Musk is the most powerful person on Twitter, I mean, he owns Twitter, but if, if you leverage like popularity as this end all be all, and you think anything he says has this large gravitas and weight to it, which I'm not saying it doesn't, I'm just trying to paint a picture. 6,000 people retweeted this. So 6,000 people took the richest man's tweet about Microsoft firing the AI team and said, you know, this is worthy enough to spread to my constituencies. 6,000 people. So you're giving the power of influence to essentially like a large, not even a large, a community college worth of people. Just a a small community college is basically dictating what's going to get spread into other areas of the world. That's not viral. This isn't viral. Even furthermore, lastly, 4,000 replies, 4,300 replies. So, And we talked about replies here with James the other week and how the bulk of replies are either bot-driven or stupid. So I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt and say over half of them are valuable replies. So now we're at about 3,000 out of the 4,600. 3,000 people were interested enough in responding to the richest man on the planet's tweet about a very important topic. And this happens on a regular basis every day, every day. And I guess what I'm suggesting is those numbers are so fractionally small, yet we give
1: them so much credence that... Who gives them credence? Because I don't. I'm not even on Twitter. Everybody who... So it it could only be people on Twitter that could even give it credence. No,
0: because stuff makes it outside of Twitter into the news media realms into people's homes like yeah but the news article existed before his tweet absolutely but it's not about nobody goes out seeking news articles anymore how they acquire Why do they not
1: do that I because do. how
0: they acquire their news is when it's like fed to them through a feed whether it's on social media mm, or whether I, it's on I, mainstream I
1: media man, i don't know
0: well how would you go about so you're telling me morgan would hop online and say and ask google did Microsoft fire its AI Say How would you come to learn about that story?
1: News websites, Dallas Morning News. So I it would see be it on fed local it. news, maybe. Perhaps, but it's not being fed to me via Twitter. It's being fed to me via the the, the media, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with Elon Musk. So I'm not sure where you're going with the point of Elon Musk.
0: I even have
1: less... What, what
0: I'm going with with that point and all the points about how people react to media social and on television is that folks would like to make you think that what they care about is more important than it really is but that's because they feel a sense of attachment to the story that they're fed or the way that they read in
1: should you be allowed to interpret that he really cared about that story should that be in your hands to interpret it? Maybe you misinterpreted him. Or are you saying that's that's not I'm possible? I'm not
0: trying to interpret him.
1: I'm. But tr- you're trying, you're breaking, you're doing a big breakdown here with no interpretation? Well,
0: Microsoft is one of his rivals in the AI ranks. So I'm not going to go into the details as to why he would put that there. But also, he fired members of the Twitter team a month or two ago. So he's bringing this up.
1: To not only like say, I think you're reading that into this. You're 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 assigning intelligence behind something that probably doesn't have intelligence.
0: But it's Elon Musk. He's somewhat intelligent,
1: to a certain extent in certain realms, and in other realms, he probably just. I think does in what business he competition,
0: he's probably pretty good, because I mean, he did kind of take over the whole auto uh, autonomous right, vehicle. Right, but, but he's
1: not domain he's, he's not using this to go oh he's got if NASA i do if customer. i retweet this i'll take a dig at microsoft and i'll show people that hey other companies fire people too I, why wouldn't he, he, do, he do that because he doesn't have to show anyone that other companies fire people too if they're so stupid to not think that other companies don't fire people elon musk tweet is not going to convince them that, that 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 happens i don't think that's why i think it's because he has like a very anti
0: woke sort of like approach which is a healthy thing to have right now because that's getting a little out of control but he felt attacked by the mobs when they got on him for firing his twitter team to the point where he's just like saying look you idiots everybody does it like you're suggesting but people don't see that and so they tap into a guy who they want to attack at a certain point and they do it. That's how,
1: Well, because he is who he is. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of people just looking and reading all kinds of garbage into everything he does right. just to attack him. Right. But... but and that shouldn't determine the meaning of what he really is doing. It's you remember life of Brian. I, um, don't, it's a Monty Python, Monty Python. movie and it's, essentially um the life of jesus it's up jesus is brian i see and um and in in one scene he's kind of you know the mob is is they're all wanting to be close to him or whatever and as he's running away he loses a flip-flop and the groups start to faction off as to why did he lose the flip-flop <laughs> and mm-hmm. so they start to go to different sections and to different meanings as to why he lost the flip-flop i think sometimes as humans we do this we see somebody doing something and we're applying meaning to it that may not actually be there. But what if the meaning is there? Then it takes more than the one instance. Oh, right. For, for you and to I'm really not go saying, back and infer that the meaning is there. I'm
0: not saying there's anything wrong with like any of his approach. I, I'm on board with his approach. He leverages his status as, I mean, he's done it with Dogecoin.
1: Yeah, artificially inflated a coin that, right? But he's doing it to kind of prove a point. Which, by the way, Dogecoin sponsored a NASCAR at one point in time for like a day. It's a it, hold on, yeah. and, and and then somebody created like a die cast Hot Wheel of the Dogecoin car. Yeah, and it's unbelievably collectible right now. Okay. <laughs> Just oh, FYI, so I'll be on the
0: lookout for that.
1: <laughs> so if you see a Dogecoin NASCAR. Toy, pick
0: it up. If you had hundreds of billions of dollars to your name, I have a feeling that you would be taking a similar approach to communicating with the ranks of the general
1: public so, as Elon is. He's trolling the general public, yeah, which is a to great a certain thing. Extent.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: I I agree with you there, but I don't know that I would do what Elon does. I don't think I would care about growing industry. Mm. I might care about. I might pick one thing and and then go, okay, I'm gonna make this one thing better and then not give a shit about the rest of it.
0: But what's happened and how this has turned on Elon a little bit is that the general public now feels as if they have an attachment. They've leached on to him. And this might sound very cynical, but I feel as if just like a sports team, when a general public leaches on to something they feel they are a part of or responsible for its popularity then they feel a sense of entitlement with the effects of that entity's success and i think that's where you draw the the line it's like dallas cowboys fans do this exquisitely they they it, a lot of sports fans do this. They feel as if they're the reason why sports teams did really good like during a certain week. And they're the way that fans talk about their sports teams is like we. They use just the word we. <laughs> like there's a connection there. Like the guy with a a beer spilling over onto his unhealthy wife's lap two rows down trickling all over the floor like he's responsible for what's happening on the field they're just observers but the crowd reaction cuts through to bring this back to Jerry Jones the crowd reaction taps into Jerry Jones's brain of I love seeing this grandiosity and this grandeur This spectacle is my doing. I must uphold this spectacle. It's essentially just like Roman gladiator days with an owner of the, it's, it's so lame. It's so easy. It's Roman gladiator days. That's all it is. But social media has taken on that moniker now.
1: (sighs) I don't, I don't know. Well, you've got
0: fully agree. You've got public figures as one gladiator and general public as the other gladiator. And then the rest of social media is the audience waiting for them to go at it. That's what cancel culture is. Cancel culture is essentially taken on the role of a gladiator.
1: I don't, I don't think so. You don't, you don't like the analogy. No, I don't like that analogy. Uh, because a gladiator, first of all, was enslaved. Uh well is general public's pretty enslaved. It, is they fight, just don't know it. it. Is fighting for his life because if he loses the battle, he dies. He's dead. That's fair. Okay. Well And that's not really the, the image. Image doesn't factor
0: in. If somebody's in an argument online yeah,
1: but, but generally cancel culture is going after someone who has done something wrong and gotten away with it. Uh, O.J. Simpson. Um,
0: (laughs) That's your example?
1: Well, I'm just saying, he definitely murdered two people (laughs) and got away with it. I mean, but nobody's canceled O.J.? Yeah, he's pretty much canceled. I don't think anybody's touching him with a 10-foot pole at this point in time. Um, Especially afterwards going through the hotel or whatever to get his memorabilia back and then serving time for that oddly um so yeah i think like the whatever it is the weinsteins of this world rightfully should have been canceled right like Mm -hmm. what they were doing is is was way wrong but but it then it steps forward like it doesn't give room for a person to make a mistake one mistake in their life uh and sometimes it's marginal as to what the mistake is i agree Uh, just at the time, it doesn't meet the standard. But uh, at any other time, everything was okay. So th- that's where I say, like, if you just dig deep enough into any corporation, you're you're going to find something that happened that was not good, that was wrong. Sure. I- anything. So if you're worried about, like, bringing it back to sponsorship for the show and making sure that that sponsor is good and right, well, it's going to be really difficult to find somebody who hasn't been a Part of some sort of scandal in some way, shape or form, even some nonprofits, right?
0: Well, I have even nonprofits, but I have a theory in all this. My theory is that incorruptible entities will never garner like the attentional energy from a corrupt supporter. Meaning, like, we'll never get, unless unless we're corrupt in some way that I'm not aware of, we'll never get approached by an entity that sponsors people with the idea that they can corrupt them or sway them or control them.
1: Well, I don't know that uh, anybody would approach us that way anyway.
0: I guess I'm talking on a more, like, subconscious layer of how business transactions occur at like this level of occurrence. (sighs) There's no dirt on us. So why would, why would we ever make it? Why would we ever rise in popularity if there's no dirt on us? And that ties back to my theory that you almost have to have something that the public can pick at.
1: Uh, That's... And I'm the negative one.
0: (laughs) You think that's negative?
1: Yeah, that is negative. To think that the only way that anybody can gain popularity is by having uh, basically uh, porn. This
0: goes... not. (laughs) Why'd you go to porn? (laughs) No, it doesn't have to be just porn. No... This goes back to my... Because one of the more famous people. Oh, that's fair. But that goes back to the, the true crime thing. The, I think it's an innate sort of uncontrollable thing that the human public has to be able to break something down and destroy it. In well, order for it to it, exist in their Generally, in,
1: their in our eyes, when we somebi- see somebody that's just too full of themselves, it's just second nature to take them down. Right. It's like, okay, you're not perfect. You're acting like you're perfect. I'm going to take you down that. That's just us, right? That's like, it's all about being humble. If somebody has that same success and is humble about it, mm-hmm. people don't go headhunting the humble guy.
0: Oh, but people don't. Support the humble guy, either yeah, they do no, they don't sure they do, not on mass
1: why do you why do you not think that
0: you'd have to give me an example of but humility Barack Obama
1: seemed hum seemed humble no didn't necessarily agree with his politics, but he seemed like a pretty good dude to me, good husband, good father. <sighs> Is there dirt there? Maybe some political corruption, but do, but in the end, does that really define him? If he took one bribe in Chicago as whatever he was, a state representative or city representative, did, should that define him as a human being? Barack Obama
0: isn't an anomaly in this at all. He does seem like a good dude, but what's the criticism of Barack Obama as a president?
1: Well, I would criticize him for health care, but that's, but no, that, in that, general,
0: what do most people say? I don't know. Well, I, I thought Morgan and I, or not Morgan, uh, Miguel and I have echoed the idea that he built his campaign on a lot of hope and promises yeah, that weren't fulfilled.
1: Okay, hope and change. It, right. it, he had a very,
0: like you say, you got to have uh, a one liner.
1: Yes. Well, he played to the, to the masses and it worked. Right. But that doesn't m- mean he's not humble, that doesn't mean he's not a good person. No, not that, at all. That all that but means he means is, played to the masses. It, that all, all that means is his campaign manager understood what it would take, mm-hmm. gave him a catchphrase, and he used it. Yes, but beyond
0: that, like his actual motivation to become the president and, and bring about this change wasn't fully realized
1: very rarely does it ever get realized but again what does that matter
0: what i'm suggesting is that if you have a plan if you have the actionable methods of putting that plan into action and implementing it and seeing it through you will never be given if and if your plan is altruistically driven and optimized to t you will never be given the support that you need to realize that plan because if you are then so much falls apart in other people's plans of like what it means to do anything to succeed to make money to get away with things to like morgan if i had 10 if i had elon musk's money it wouldn't be a fair game for anyone out there Period. I'd be able to do things that I suggest idealistically and ideologically on this program.
1: I'd be able to implement them immediately, and see if my theories are correct. Well, to a certain extent, um, there are laws in place that prevent you from just doing whatever you want. I could and buy. He, I he, could
0: buy the Supreme Court, but he couldn't. Who couldn't?
1: Elon Musk no, can not can't. No, he buy can't. the Supreme Court. He can't because his motivations aren't necessarily like... And, and he can't even buy the other space agencies because they would <laughs> see that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I get it. They, I mean, there are rules and laws. Yeah, if we're talking about taking the guy to court for something... But you
0: can buy out... Um, you can buy and influence um, Congress representation um, as far as like who's next in line. We see politicians all the time. Um, like whoever the president is obviously campaigns for the Congress members and the Senate members that they want to see elected in their elections. And they go out in the little boondocks in the urban cities when their buddies and the people that they want in, even when they're out, um, they, they want to see them there so that their agendas are sort of promoted. So. I guess long story short, what I'm suggesting is like, if you do that across the board, the right way, you never will get the opportunity to do it. Not under this current paradigm and this current model of how things yeah, I work. I Disagree. I. I it are... won't. No, it, it'll be, it'll be in the shadows. It will not be in, <laughs> like, it wouldn't be in the public, like view of things it it couldn't be there would be no
1: news you might actually get more done what do you mean if no one knows you exist if you're in the shadows you might actually get more done than if you were out there in public i agree wholeheartedly but it doesn't bode well for
0: convincing future generations that you have to do all of the good stuff in the shadows because the system under the light is so corrupt because then you get the cycle of
1: it, as isn't a 20-year-old secret societies just work in general and how we've uh, uh, we've given all these people all this credit that we don't know who they are mm-hmm. illuminati Etc. Mm-hmm. Etc. Et Isn't that just how they work and how they run the world and run the country from the shadows? They're getting things done right without anybody knowing who they are or what they do. Like we've are, we're already teaching people. This is the way you do it. Yeah. But people, I guess well,
0: I, I guess I can't say that <laughs> the majority of people with the, ability to make real changes in the world and difference differences wherever they go they're still generally onboarded to the system that's ineffective versus the effective like way of going about things generally speaking so.
2: Well, I think
1: a lot of people if you want to
0: you're still sold, if you want to make a change, be a politician or like if you don't like the policies and the laws in your community or in your state or in the federal government, you got to be a part of the system. You got to change it from the inside. And I, I agree with you. I don't think that's accurate anymore. Like you don't. Have to be a politician. You don't have to campaign. You don't have to make friends and be a lobbyist um, and intern for another politician for X amount of years or go to school for this. You don't have to learn how to sweet talk people and make friends and uh you have to know how to be a leader. <clears throat> you have to know how to identify issues of which you would like to confront. You have to know how to game plan. You know, you have to know how to communicate with people. You do have to know a general baseline of things that in the political realm, they suggest, you know, as well, but in that realm, you're doing all the right things with the wrong people around you. And it just feels as if that system still wins out sometimes as far as the attention is not the right word um as far as the credit that we give it things can still move quicker than they're moving but in order for that to occur more credit might have to be given to the people that are making things move because There's only, I mean, credit is a weird thing. What I mean isn't like pedestaling and notoriety and awareness. I would love for these people that really push the needle ideologically, scientists, uh, quiet technology experts, people working on AI and like the quantum physics realm and scientists in that realm, machine learning engineers, people that are working on stuff that, really, really pushes the needle versus people having arguments on TV. But you have to figure out a system to where like, they see the effect that they're having on the world in a way that lets them know that they're doing the right thing. Because the people in Congress and the people in governments and the people that are parts of systems they get checks and large handouts and sponsorships that are convincing them mentally that they're doing the right thing too and it shouldn't it shouldn't be that easy for people who don't make a difference to feel as if they are.
1: Yeah, that's just grandstanding, though. It's claiming, claiming credit for things you didn't have any influence over.
0: Right, but if you're a secret society, how do you...
1: Or, you don't care. Why do you care who gets the credit? Why does it matter who gets the credit?
0: Because history remembers the victors, Morgan. And so if you don't actually address who the victors are at any point in history, what keeps perpetuating?
1: Yeah, but victor would, would, is, is talking about wartime. What society, what culture took over what other culture? What, what victory are we seeing here that would require us to have that same sort of mentality? Why do we have to declare a victor? We're not fighting, are we?
0: Not in the traditional sense. Um, I would say there is psychological warfare that's been at play for quite a bit of time over the influence of people
1: since the dawn of man. Right. That would, I mean, that's not going to change. It's always going to be that way. No, but the victors aren't necessarily. So the victor here today, in now it's going to be literally impossible for one culture to take over another culture and completely obliterate what that culture was about and and erase it from the map. That wasn't the truth, you know, three, 500 years ago, thousand years ago you could easily wipe Take a, culture over a culture and then people mm-hmm. destroy every monument they ever had. And no one will even know that they existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then when that culture is writing, what happened, you know, things get left out, right? Like even Egyptian pharaohs tried to erase other pharaohs from hieroglyphics and, and, and the history books of Egypt. Mm-hmm. so that sort of thing doesn't happen and won't happen today. Now we're in the information age and got everything on a computer, blah, blah, blah. I guess I, I guess it could, but what a huge global conspiracy that would have to be. Uh, to actually, well, we like those, happen. don't we? Yeah. Like global. Eh. You don't like global conspiracies? Eh. Not really interested in global conspiracy. You like alien conspiracies. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that that's global. I, I'm a I'm a U.S. citizen. I got to see things from a U.S. point of view. In most cases, I don't know if I have enough information to get into like an Australian conspiracy theory.
0: That's fair. But so you don't think aliens are a global
1: like yeah, they, vibe? they probably. But yeah. I mean, you're what still about more the, worried about like the U.S. release of video and things like that versus. Yeah, although you're interested if another country releases video too, I guess. Hmm.
0: Is centralization of things becoming more apparent that it was present? Like, if we're trying to decentralize stuff, then doesn't that mean...
1: Well, we're trying to strip the red tape from things. When you're decentralizing something... You're trying to take things that slow the process down right? and make but the process a little more efficient or fluid, so to speak.
0: I guess I'll just cut to the chase. The discussions of like a new world order in the 90s and 2000s as being something in the conspiracy ranks that was on the verge of, I like to actually think that it was already like in place and it was present and that like centralization of intelligence, for example, with having all these federal agencies responsible and sort of controlling the bulk of information on alien technology, if it existed, quote unquote, um, war, uh, sort of back and forth between countries, nuclear capabilities and all that. I'm not saying that, every average Joe should have access to that. But there was zip zero, no transparency in the eighties, nineties, two thousands even. And then because of the information age, things started changing. So, I mean, in hindsight, all of these like talks, even the Snowden stuff seems a little outdated when he was suggesting in 2008, 2009, that your phones uh, were accessible and, computers were accessible like enemy of the state a movie with Will Smith and Gene Hackman kind of tackled that in 1996 and when we were watching it your brain is like aloof to the the majority of brains are aloof to the possibility of that being a thing but there were guys like uh i forget his name William uh, he was a uh, he got shot and assassinated uh wrote a book called behold the pale white horse i don't remember that guy was but he was a a conspiracy guy um behold the pale white horse william cooper there you go um so we've mentioned him uh, or i have i think a couple of times but he was a guy who was sort of talking about the ed snowden type stuff in the seventies and in the eighties and in the nineties, but then like you were getting crazy looks if you were talking about that sort of stuff. And he was talking about HIV AIDS, of course, uh, being, uh, something, uh, a weapon used to target minorities. And, um, he was big on extraterrestrial conspiracies, but it seems like as decentralization of intelligence, takes place hindsight does this weird thing of confirming the, and I'm not saying he was one of them, but it confirms the educated conspiracy theorists like structured arguments on things. And I don't even like the term conspiracy theorist. It's more of like a human um, predictor algorithm. Somebody who can basically connect dots, but do it on an effective level to where like everything checks out, but they're just one person or a group of people. So who's going to listen to them when 99.999% of the information accessible to you is pointing in the other direction? But when more information becomes accessible to you, all of a sudden there's like a shift from what you think is possible to what actually occurred. And so that's like the delay, the latency of which I'm not sure has a place in the 22nd century or even the mid-21st century. The latency of like events You can see it with social media, the writings on the wall. Like when something happens, all the conspiracies like are day one things, Um, all the extreme sort of takes, they're all in front of you right away. It's not like you can have a more extreme take on COVID than it was man-made released from a lab. Like that's a pretty extreme take for day one of a pandemic.
1: I, I don't know. I think conspiracy theories can definitely grow over time, though and they can become more and more entrenched. Yes, you can at the go Kennedy down a ra- assassination. Holy
0: cow. You, you have to know how to be able to press pause and how to like determine when you've gone too far on a particular rabbit hole. But okay, let me ask you. When COVID started um uh, taking shape, did you think there was any chance of it being uh, a lab leak, man-made?
1: At first, no.
0: At fr- okay. When did you cross the threshold of like head scratching? and Well, like, because eh, the okay. more and
1: more you thought about it, somebody went to a, an open air market and bought like a bat. Right. So, they, it. so it, then, was, it was the it story that was presented. It didn't make much sense as you start to break things down.
0: So the story that was presented by the centers of authority is what
1: sort of didn't add up. Yeah, and I'm assuming that was created by China. I don't know.
0: Is going too far down that rabbit hole suggesting, like, why they would have created something like this or why they would have been working on something like this? Like, if you're thinking about them developing a biological weapon in the form of a virus, is that too far? In the conspiratorial, like,
1: Right, probably, probably not a weapon because it's not. Um,
0: well, let's say like it was meant to target um unhealthy people, or if they they toggled it enough to specifically target and.
1: But that would be true with any disease.
0: That's probably why it was easier to like mess with. Because it was. similar enough to the only to reason they're messing disease. with stuff
1: like that was because of the SARS outbreak. Right. Then, and, and how do I deliver things into the body that will fight cancer that, and the coronavirus hmm. or the common cold, which is part of that family was one of the things that was being used to deliver, um, things to f- help your body fight cancer. Hmm. The AIDS virus is also being used. Not the full virus itself, but part of the cell structures. It's like it took a message to your own body and said, go get this. And your then your body would start to attack it. Hmm. So I think there's all kinds of biological research being taken place for medical reasons that When you look at them on the outside, like we're talking about, hey, let's get rid of cancer and hey, let's do this and let's do that. You're thinking, okay, that's a good thing. But when you flip it, there's always a bad side to it, right? Well, what happens if this gets in the wrong hands? What if this gets out? What happens? And how do we know that that just wasn't a whistleblower that got it out? Like, hey, look, I'm just going to infect some people. And before you knew it, the whole world was infected.
0: (laughs) Or how do we know that you're... Theory isn't right, and that it was something that we are already. Oh
1: no, I think we yeah, your theory. Yeah, my that, theory is that we is, had it. This isn't new. That this has been around, just hasn't been around in hundreds of years. Oh,
0: I guess my theory is a little <clears> extreme <throat> then.
1: And that's why some people were completely um, oblivious that it didn't affect them at all.
0: Mm. My theory is a little more extreme then.
1: Yeah, your yours tend to be. <laughs>
0: You want to hear my latest COVID theory? All right, let's hear
1: it. We haven't talked COVID in a couple of episodes, I don't think. My latest Maybe.
0: COVID theory is that coronavirus is to the common cold what shingles is to the chickenpox virus.
1: Hmm. I don't know.
0: And that the second you caught your first cold, you were going to get COVID. And that what they released from that lab...
1: I feel like I've had a common cold, but I didn't get COVID. But I did get vaccinated. I mean, it was in it's in my body. But I mean, I mean, I never got COVID ever. Really, <laughs> really.
0: To your knowledge. Yeah. You yeah. Had, if you I got it, it, I would have been asymptomatic. Yeah, yeah.
1: If I was asymptomatic, I never knew I had it.
0: <laughs> so, as being a survivor of COVID. <laughs> All right, let me tell you something weird. Here, this is a little sci-fi. Yeah,
1: let's go sci-fi.
0: I feel as if I have a radar for, like, flare-ups of sinuses and throat um,
2: scratchiness. What do
1: you mean? COVID gave me superpowers. See, I claimed that the vaccine made me feel invincible. Mm. I mean, I feel good after getting the vaccine.
0: <laughs> COVID affected my immune system so significantly, even if I am unaware of it, that now I have a radar for when I am around sickness. When I'm around someone with a potential infectious cough or a something that would give me a headache, even. I feel sensory reactions to the environment around me. And to put this to the test, again, observation versus unobserved, it's difficult for me to empirically prove that one thing led to another here, but I'll just give you my anecdotal example of this. I went into a thrift store two weeks ago. My throat started feeling very strange. I had a mask on just like I still wear my mask in thrift stores. So at first I'm like, okay, maybe it's the mask. So I take the mask off because it was I'd just woken up about an hour prior. So I go into the thrift store with my mask on. Throat starts itching very strongly on like the right side. Like, okay, maybe there's something on my mask. Take the mask off. It doesn't go away. It persists. Cough, cough, cough. Non-stop, non then I'm in the checkout line, and I start hearing coughs around me. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a healthy cough. And it's like a wet, very mucusy sort of strong, nasty cough. And it's a kid in a stroller, and his mom's got a mask on, and the kid does not have a mask. And the kid, it's school hours, so the kid's about seven or eight years old, and he's not in a, he is in a stroller. It's like a big kid stroller.
1: Could have been homeschooled. <laughs>
0: This kid wasn't homeschooled. The way he was coughing. Not a not a homeschool. But, anyways, um, without like journaling all the instances of which this has occurred to me, let me just tell you that it's occurred more than 10 times in the last year to the point where I'll have reactions, like allergic reactions, to people around me that have then evidenced a sign that they're sick. I haven't gone up to them and said, Hey, are you sick right now? Are you, maybe I should, maybe I should be the next step because I've quietly observed and kept my little recordings in my head of what's going on. But I think, I think I have a radar within my, my body now that tells me when there's you pass, you're not, you're not ill right now. (laughs) but if you
1: came in here if you came in here with a cold
0: i'd i'd i think i'd be able to know
1: well sure i'd probably be sniffling stuffed up coughing
0: no i'm saying i would be if i tried to hide it yeah if you tried to
1: hide it all right i'd be able to pick up on it next time i get sick i'll try to get around you and hide it without infecting you i'll stand you know 15 feet away or something
0: interesting question to segue from this and i think i've asked you this and during the course of our talks, but you know, when you're around a group of people and there's like a, an energetic vibe, that's not strong or, um, uh, okay. Do you think you can feel depression if it's around you? Do you think negative energy <clears throat> has a,
1: Yes, and sensory. no. Like, um, I, I think a lot of people hide it very well. It's not
0: obvious. So you think they can hide their own negative energy to the point where it doesn't, like, affect the world around them? Yes. Wow. Dive into that. How is that possible? Because doesn't depression change, like, your, your...
1: Well, generally speaking, people, we we, we put on a face when we are in a group of people together. A face of everything's okay, I'm fine, you know, my personal problems aren't here right now, we're just going to have fun playing board games or watching a movie or drinking a few beers. So in a temporary situation where you're around people for a few hours, yes, I believe that People with depression can definitely hide it and it can go unseen. Now, if you're around mm-hmm. that person a lot, I think you'll get a sense for it. But if you're only around them for a few hours in a social setting, I think it might be hard to to, to really pull that from them. Interesting.
0: Is that because they're hiding it or because they,
1: in the moment, circumvent it? Yeah, in the moment, they may not be quote unquote depressed, right? Like you're suggesting circumventing. Maybe the mind does something in that setting to hide it, and it.
0: Maybe flow it state's responsible for it. Flow
1: state, okay.
0: Well, saying like a depressed person, one of the symptoms of depression would be an antisocial sort of, uh, or not necessarily but it it would be antisocial behavior so if they're put in a social situation and they're willing to partake in it like a board game night for example and they find surprisingly that they enjoy themselves aren't they sort of like eclipsing their depressive symptoms sure and that can that can sort of like hijack your neurological reaction well
1: um and. Well, even for me sometimes, right? Like, uh, I wouldn't consider myself depressed. I probably have moments where I'm depressed, but I mean, I'm not a depressed person. But there are times when I'll hear an idea and I'll be like, "Uh, I don't want to do that. Uh, I don't want to go hang out. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go. And then when I go, it's like, why would I have ever thought of not going? going. This is so much fun.
0: That's how I feel about disc golf sometimes, but it's because of my arm. It's because I'm worried about hurting it again. it Yeah, really, you
1: know, tweaked my knee last week. Yeah. Again. Mm. So no disc golf for probably another couple of weeks. Because so I heard it playing disc golf, sir. Really? In the mud, yeah. Oh. Ground was just a little little muddy and my foot, plant foot slipped as I was throwing. <laughs> That's all it takes for me these days. I'm old.
2: Mm.
0: <clears throat> yeah, flow state plays a big part in this.
1: Flow state
0: yeah, the well, remember that talk we had about the zone, maybe about a year yeah, and a half ago, not, two it's years different ago? though no, the zone is flow state,
1: no, that's, it's not,
0: yeah, being in the zone is like being in a state of flow, neurological flow i mean that's that's kind of like exactly what it is,
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, in a sports situation, not just okay. sports.
0: But in a game
1: situation, right? Sure, but so, it's temporary. It's not something you stay in,
0: unless you treat life like a game.
1: But the pure definition of it is focus on a task, one singular task, not multiple tasks. Mm, so you string
0: stringing your tasks uh, one after another. No,
1: does not. You can't do that. It's not, the not how that works. The continuation of flow. Your your brain does not function that way.
0: But it can be trained to. That's my suggestion.
1: I doubt it can. No. At some point, it's got to rest. When you're sleeping, guess what you're not doing? You're not flowing. That's not true. Yes, it is true. Huh? Yes. No, there's flow
0: state in dreams.
1: I don't think so. Don't make me ask AI. Oh,
0: ask AI. Don't make me. Okay. Oh Okay. Well. <laughs> use your old-fashioned Google. You know, Google's just like the old person's version of AI. Oh, my God. It is. Drugs and alcohol are 20th century version of AI.
1: In what way?
0: It was a change in neurological...
1: That's not stagnation. AI. It's not AI. Drugs and alcohol. Are you talking about we're a flow state, or are you talking about no, or um, artificial intelligence? Like, yeah. yeah, one yeah, one conspiracy at terrible, a time.
2: Terrible.
1: You should get a microphone so you can just talk to it. Like, I think if you were,
0: um... It's suggesting here that during normal sleep, flow state is not generally achievable. However, during sleep, the brain undergoes various stages and cycles, including REM sleep. And then that's where it gets a little more uncertain about whether or not REM and flow are connected.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you were, um, meditating, Mm -hmm. okay, you're focusing. Meditation might be part of a flow state, but sleeping, no. Not part of a flow state. But keep trying. I admire your effort, sir. I don't need to be in
0: flow state while I'm asleep. I'm in flow state all day when I'm awake. Oh, are you? Yes, by stringing together sequences of invigorating activity and neurological processing. I mean, that's all...
1: I have. It's focusing on one task or a task. No.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Let me tell you what I want to do. You redefine. You hijack the the definition. You know what? I will. What? You know what I want to do with flow state? I Uh, I want to make the daily commute for the nine to five employee. I want to make it flowy. I want people to enter a state of flow before they go to work. So that when they're walking into work or getting ready to begin their day at work, they're in a state of flow. And I feel the way that you do that is by. Well, I used to try that and I would get
1: interrupted every time I got in the freaking office. Go
0: yeah, ahead. I know, because you'd come to work and you would throw in your classical music, right? And you'd like zone out. and You would just cruise down the highway and nothing could interfere. And you were just like level headed and clear headed. That's fine. But there's certain things that interrupt that that build up traffic, for example, is an interrupter of flow state. Mm. You don't get any okay. traffic?
1: Oh well, if you were when you're driving 40 miles each way every day, uh you become very tolerant. You know what's going to be there, so you just deal with it. Because if, if you're getting upset every day about every little thing, it's you're not going to be able to flow. That's true. Well, traffic is
0: directly I, like I'm, juxtaposed to flow.
1: I'm more angry now, today, <laughs> since I don't go.
0: Right, that's because I'm not
1: driving every day. It's because
0: you're in charge of your flow.
1: Uh, man, I'll tell you what. A couple of trips I've recently taken. Holy it's crap. frustrating. I mean, seriously, no one no one observes the left hand lane is for passing only or for faster traffic. No one is doing that anymore.
0: Or you've also got a lot of drivers from California and a lot a large influx of like new population in North Texas. Yeah, but
1: it's Louisiana, it's Yeah. Central Texas, it's backwoods, country roads. It's it's everywhere.
0: There should be an app, an AI app that allows you to get your day started. Similar to how the current alarm system works with like setting your alarm, but it's AI driven to the point where instead of you looking on your phone to see Google Maps, basically I want AI to get ahead of all the flow interruption. That could occur from home to work. So, I want your alarm to be modular and I want AI to set it on its own. But I want the alarm to be set. I want the alarm to be set in accordance with how much time you need to have breakfast, uh, shower, brush your teeth, and walk out the door. I wanted to know that in advance based on traffic models calculations what the weather, weather's like. So like imagine you wake up um to an alarm that's at the exact time you need to wake up in order for you to make it to work on time. <laughs> and so like you don't have to set your alarm. It just wakes you up. So some days it's like 7:45. This is how your circadian rhythm If it was flowy all the way through, and if you were like harmonized with perfection as far as like the flow of time is concerned, this is how it would work. You'd wake up when you needed to, knowing that you were going to get where you wanted to get at the exact time that you needed to get there while being able to do anything along the way. So, In this hypothetical scenario, you're asleep, and on Monday, your phone alarm, when you work at 9, your phone wakes you up at 7.40, and it says, according to current traffic estimates, you should wake up now, and you should leave at this time. That's just, it's giving you a recommendation. It's nudging you, saying, you should wake up now, and you should walk out of your house at in between 8.15 and 8.20 if you'd like to make it to work at 9 o'clock. Now, as the traffic changes and shifts, the AI updates, and it lets you know. You have 10 more minutes at home, if you'd like. Traffic has eased up. Or there's an alternate route. Instead of leaving it up to the human to do all of the crunching When they walk out and say, okay, let me look at traffic. Let me see what it's like. Uh, Oh, am I going to have to go a different route? Like the AI can do all that. That's the easy stuff for AI to do. It can get traffic data in real time. Google Maps does it right now. All you have to do is filter it into another app that says, oh, if you'd like, you can have a seat on your couch, watch a little TV. You can read a book. You have an extra 10 minutes. Or it could do the opposite, and it could say, you might have to leave a little earlier today because of these, this accident. But going back, it'll wake you up earlier if it feels that you need to leave earlier. So you're still going to... You're never gonna get woken up at like five o'clock because you have to get to work at
1: nine. I say, as a boss, a, a former boss of employees, I would have loved all my employees to have to have that Something because like they had this. such a hard time getting to getting work on time. Getting to work time. on time. It uh, me on the other hand, off. I wouldn't want that. But I never really had a problem getting to work on time. So
0: now think about <clears throat> the potential where the person can wake up and they have this gap of time. So they're woken up at 7.40 and it says in order for you to leave work or in order for you to leave home to get to work on time, you should leave within this window. And it gives you like a five to seven minute window according to traffic numbers and your proximity to work, of course. But then you can engage back with the app and you could say, I'd like to stop for a cup of coffee. I'd like to stop for a park along the way and take a 15 minute walk. I need to go to the gym for 30 minutes. And then it does the math on what you need to do and where you can go. And it's funny that I have these thoughts and these ideas on how this would work because I've worked for a mapping company. (laughs) And so I know how the old antiquated way of producing all of this would work without AI involved. Like I've seen it, my eyes have absorbed the programming language and the difficulties of getting something like this done in 2015 or 2017 or 2019. But in 2023, it is as easy as I'm suggesting it can be. You have data for the traffic. You have data for points of interest along your route. You have um, route algorithms that can do all of this for you. What you don't have is like the programmer who's willing to well, you do have that too. What you don't have is the connection between the secret societies and the programmers (laughs) to communicate effectively so that all these things get done (laughs) in perfect timing to the point where there's no latency and this app is available for market release in like the next week. But you know my theory is that we're all programmers already.
1: Well, and that that app honestly would be short lived. Why? Uh, because I don't know that we'll be driving cars much longer. Well, even better.
0: I mean, the car's still gonna have to probably deal with traffic for ten years or so. It's not gonna be fully auto, uh, autonomous vehicles it, out of the it gate. It might go very quickly.
1: Think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Man, people's resistance to that. What if you're just joyriding? You
1: know? Yeah, there'll, there'll be some resistance to it, and there'll be some grandfathered in stuff. But I think um, things will go very quickly from ha- you know, from ten percent of people using it to sixty percent of people using it. I think you know that will go very quickly. Okay. Um, to where you have more uh, automated than you do non-automated going on, and then that'll lead to. Insurance rates changing. Perhaps laws change. Mm-hmm. Like Will Smith and iRobot. Technically, you're not supposed to be manually driving.
0: Uh, what were the laws?
1: Oh, in the, robot? oh the, the three, three laws?
0: laws? Those are Asimov's laws, right? Yeah. Laws of robotics. Uh-huh. Um, first one is robot won't harm a human. Right. <clears throat> Let me see. Asimov's laws of robotics. A robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. That's a big one. Yeah. A robot must obey the orders given it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Okay. And a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. You know what I, you know what I see when I read all that? Mm, AI. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you know what else I see? Mm. A lot of ways to like get a lot of stuff done without really needing the human element uh, or without human input involved and keeping humans safe the whole time and unharmed.
1: You got to be careful, though, because safe and unharmed might mean protected or shielded and uneducated.
0: At least you were able to assess what I was going for there. You did good. <laughs> um, my argument to that would be AI would have to reverse all of that already having occurred. Because you're kind of there.
1: Well, I don't think it's going to take much, right? Like if you just stop educating people, period. Well, because they don't have to, because after all the robots doing everything for you. Why do you need to know any new product that goes to the grocery store? The robots doing the shopping. You just want this food. It doesn't matter what the product is. So when I say learning, I mean, I'm just talking about things in general. and then. Why would your kids need to go to school? The robot's going to be able to take care of them for their whole life, so why do they need to learn about history or English or learn how to read or write? Well. Because after all, that might lead to conflict. I might be protecting you by not allowing you to know about World War II or uh, slavery.
0: But the middle ground is being able to teach all of those things more concisely and effectively. Like, there's a middle ground between teaching them kids the way we teach them now and not teaching them. And the middle ground would probably be, in my estimation, teaching them concisely. Do you need to know how much of World War II is pertinent to the knowledge base of a twelve year old.
1: Well, World War II may be a little out there for a twelve year old, Mm -hmm. but for an 18-year-old, 17-year-old, it's different.
0: But the formats that we currently like subscribe to are in high school, you're generally just introduced to World War II with maybe like a informational video, a trip to a museum thrown in, and then in college If you you have the option of, if you'd like, well, you don't have the option when it comes to electives, you have to take history classes regardless of what your major is. So in those history classes, world history, for example, you're introduced to a more robust um, version, but it's somewhat voluntary because you don't have to go to college. So your general aptitude for World War II from the onset is very limited.
1: Well, the, the major concepts or conflicts are 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 pulled out and taught yes. without you having to go in-depth. Yes, but that can
0: be done via other means. I mean, there's 50 World War II movies I can name for you now that do a better job than high school history classes.
1: I don't know. I'd have to look at the high school history class to be judgmental because a movie... The Schindler's hey, List I- do a better job? Well, a movie takes liberty. It doesn't. It's not necessarily truthful. What if they wa- what What if they watched what was it? Um, what was the Bastards movie?
0: Inglorious Bastards.
1: What if they looked at that? Okay. as The World War Two movie.
0: Well, the AI would be able to tell you pretty quickly. <laughs> like it would be able to set. Ass- give me Give me a percentile of accuracy. I want to see. Of accuracy.
1: What's the soccer movie? Is that Glory, with the. Uh, Sylvester Stallone?
0: Give me a list of
1: historically
0: accurate World War II movies.
1: Based Victory. I'm sorry, I got it wrong. Events. Victory. And if you haven't seen Victory, it's a good World Man. War II movie. Yeah, it is. They score. You're Michael Caine's in it. Come on. Pele is in that. I forgot Pele was in that movie.
0: So I've asked it to give me a list of World War II movies that are accurate in accordance with true events and to actually rank them on a scale of 1 to 100 based on how accurate they are. So, and give me an accuracy score. So number one, no surprise, Schindler's List, one I suggested earlier. I guess I'm just prying for the most accurate. But it gave a score of 95 out of 100. So based on the events that take place within the script of Schindler's List, in comparison with what's been journaled and recorded, the accuracy, 95. Now, this is just 10. Saving Private Ryan gives 90 out of 100. The Pianist, the Pianist, 90. Dunkirk, 85. Longest Day, 80. Patton, 80. Letters from Iwo Jima, 80. Give me some 10 low scores.
1: <laughs> it doesn't understand low.
0: Give me 10 scores that are low on this.
1: I'll
0: edit all this.
1: <clears throat> I would just say that we got to be very careful in per- saying Pearl Harbor. It. Forty out
0: of a hundred. Hey, that's pretty good. Because all the love story and the, yeah, the all details there. U five seven one, fifty out of a hundred. Yeah. Didn't see that one coming. Uh Enemy at the Gates, fifty five out of a hundred. Shucks, I just bought that one. Fury, Inglorious Bastard, sixty five out of a hundred. Valkyrie, sixty five out of a hundred. Monuments men, seventy. Bridge too far, seventy. So you're even getting close to like decent thresholds there.
1: But or is that 70% inaccurate?
0: Um here, let me see.
1: Here are 10 movies
0: from the list of historically accurate World War II movies based on actual events, along with their low accuracy scores based on my own research and knowledge. So that's in accordance with the scale that we'd created earlier. I'm
1: sure it didn't flip it?
0: Yeah, it didn't flip it. I flipped okay. the question and it picked up on mm. the like what I was insinuating. What, what was my pearl? Like, pearl Harbor, forty out of a okay. hundred. So if they're inglorious
1: bastards. There's no way it was a sixty.
0: Why? Okay. Why did you? Re-
1: <laughs> there's no freaking way.
0: Well, let's see what its logic is.
1: <clears throat> the logic of AI. Oh, sixty-five out of a hundred. Yeah. Yeah, There's no way. The
0: reason why Inglorious Bastards has a relatively low accuracy score is that the movie takes significant liberties with historical events and portrays an alternate version of World War II. The film features fictional characters and plot
1: lines. That's why it should. Why is it 65? 65? Should be like 35. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's why I thought it was flipping it, maybe.
2: Mm.
0: However, the film also. Contains several inaccuracies and... Uh, yes, more. Okay. Overall, I felt the score of 65 out of 100 was appropriate to give the film's mix of historical accuracy and creative license.
1: Um, I don't know. It's I, uh, The movie features...
0: Uh, it does incorporate elements of historical accuracy, and the baselines are there. For example, the movie features accurate depictions of Nazi propaganda and uniforms, and it references real-life figures such as Hitler and Winston Churchill. Additionally, while the plot of the movie oh, so is so that's
1: 65 percent. That's, that's
0: BS. Uh, but additionally, while the plot of the film is fictional, it does touch on real-life events such as the occupation of France and the Allied efforts to undermine the Nazi regime.
1: So I mean the core of the movie's real. If you take in, if you take away the 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 artistic license makes it so unreal. It shouldn't have that score.
0: Explain your weight scale for this score to me in depth.
2: <laughs> Certainly.
0: Here's how I determined each. Okay, so it's going to give me a range. Um, so it's telling me what it needs to meet to be 100 out of 100, 90 out of 180. Okay, so let's see what 65 out of 100 warrants when it gets there. All right, for the film to score 60 to 100, or 60 to 69 out of 100, the score would be given to a movie that is loosely based on historical events but takes significant creative licenses in its portrayal of characters and events. The Mm. movie may feature fictional characters and plot lines or may use historical events as a backdrop for a fictional story.
1: That's in Glorious Bastards. Yeah, I don't like its scale. It's bad.
0: (laughs) How would you refine the scale? Like, as far as algorithmically, what would you, like... What would you well, say I would think have to... any
1: artistic license would be like minus seventy
0: just right out of the gate right out of the gate hmm.
1: that's fair because somebody might go, hey you might write a thing like okay, good movies to watch to learn about World War two anything sixty or above, and so if they choose inglorious bastards, they might think that Hitler got a assass- assassinated. <laughs> That's French true. theater or whatever. Um <clears throat> anyway.
0: Okay, be more strict with your scoring and give me five movies with details as to why. They're poor representations. Ah, so it just lowered Pearl Harbor's score to <laughs> a little... Oh, uh, <laughs> boosted it up. All right. U571, Fury, yeah, so all the same ones again with different scores, but it paragraph as to why. All right. Well, see, I went from one flow state to another, but now <laughs> I got to go back to the other one. Um... You haven't you haven't checked out chat g p t mm. a little bit, not even for fun, Morgan a little bit, huh what'd you do? what'd you do with it nothing,
1: nothing no, it's not what you're
0: that's not what your chat GPT history here says,
1: oh yeah,
0: it says you've been on it for an hour to two per day for about a week and a half.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, somebody's stealing my
0: identity. (laughs) Your your data. Uh, There's a lot of Morgan Browns out there. All right. 100th episode. We're not the big, like, celebratory guys are going to do anything special. But let's have a little moment of reflection. What's this show done for you in a positive sense over the last 3 or 4 years. <laughs> That's the easy answer, sweetheart.
1: No, that that um that was well on its way before the show ever got started. Uh divorce was suggested there. What um, if anything? Well, probably a lot. Um getting to know you better. Um I don't know, finding just interest in discussing this stuff. It's not like you can discuss theories or conspiracy or COVID or news in an animated way with people um, and still like the end of the day. I don't know. Um, That's what I've really enjoyed over these episodes. And and I further have enjoyed, because it really kind of doing it for me you know I, i want this i want this kind of talk discussion i enjoy the back and forth the banter and i you know and maybe that's my own fault i think you're sort of the same in a way and like it's hard to find people to have these kinds of discussions with but As I'm learning later on in episodes seventy and eighty, I've got a lot of people that are fairly close to me that are listening to it, and it's like seriously, and you're not going to say anything to me, like you don't want to discuss any of this stuff, Mm. Uh, like my sister, for example, Um, which means that we've had deeper conversations, and she said, "Yeah, I listen to all of them." Of course. Okay. All right. But yeah,
0: that's a good answer. How about on the flip side? What haven't you enjoyed about this podcast in the last 4 or 5 years?
1: Nothing. No, no, nothing. I've enjoyed it all. Like I get I've been upset. I've yeah. said things to you that wide, I regret wide, saying. Really? Like what? <laughs> I've called you names. I'm oh, sorry, you know. What'd but you I mean me? Would you call me? I don't remember necessarily or specifically, but right. I, I mean <laughs> I do. Stop <laughs> i joking i apologize but i don't remember so. not at all um but no nah, there's nothing that's negative here i don't think. No. um man it was a great excuse to get out of the house when i wasn't necessarily getting out of the house much hmm. uh, sort of a saving grace during covid times because we still got together and talked uh so you know I didn't miss that social interaction, even when working from home was getting to a lot of people. I mean, hell, we were seeing each other at least once a week. Uh, So I I don't think there was anything negative. Uh, Most of this has just been positive Mm -hmm. in my opinion.
0: All right. My next interview question, (laughs) as we recap the hundred,
1: 100 episodes episodes. is crazy.
0: A lot of interesting conversations have, arisen during that span is there any area of conversation that you've always wanted to talk about or contemplated introducing on the show that we haven't gotten around to yet
1: i don't think so so that's
0: kind of a testament to the show right yeah
1: i think we've like there are certain topics that i might want to spend more time on at a certain point but i think in the natural flow of things that'll happen without having to force anything and go, okay, I want to, sh- I want to do this. Maybe I, you know, I really enjoyed what we do, did with a couple of documentaries and that we watched the documentaries and kind of broke it down and, and discussed the topics. Um, racism, uh, was one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. what was the other one? The other one was, uh,
0: there was the doctrine of destiny. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, um,
1: and, um, the social dilemma, social dilemma. um, the one on the border patrol or whatever immigration. Yeah. yeah. So I enjoy that doing a little bit of that too. And there's been some good documentaries that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love talking aliens and UFOs and all that good stuff as well. And I, I like taking conspiracy theories and talking about them.
0: Yeah. The, um, the notion that we're able to weave multiple discussions and topics and events and ideas within the scope of three hundred roughly three hundred hours worth of programming and
1: there's recording, yeah.
0: does that make you more or less optimistic about where human beings are as far as of always well, moving forward is concerned? like if we can if we can introduce generally a large chunk of what's relatively important to discuss on a deeper level within the scope of 300 hours and within the scope of 3 hours we can if we want to get to like at least a point of building resolution after addressing the problem or varying perspectives on a problem. I guess a different way of phrasing this is, is there a formula for addressing issues and problems in society that we've helped in developing to where conversations should be easier for people to have? About these sorts of things.
1: Uh, maybe. Um, we've definitely laid the foundation or groundwork a little bit. Maybe we haven't given the full guidelines to to that sort of thing. But um, I think we've opened eyes. Maybe. Maybe made people, some people think a little bit. The ones that have stuck with us. Mm-hmm. Um, All
0: 16.
1: All you know, 16 of them. Now the ones that got tired of ta- hearing us talk COVID and dropped off before the later <laughs> episodes. They might want to play catch up at this point.
0: Uh, Yeah. Well, when they play catch up, they'll actually be able to see where we were right on a lot of fronts when it comes to COVID from both perspectives too. I mean, yeah, there were, there was a lot of, you were more right when certain things were uh, happening with COVID like the vaccination processes and all that and how people were going to react to masking mandates and vaccine mandates. Like when you started playing Nostradamus there, um, you were, your predictor algorithm was on point. And a lot of those shows, because I think you have a better gauge for human reactions than I do as far as predictability is concerned. um, I have an interesting gauge for, like, the reality of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> I have an interesting gauge for, like, what's happening before it makes its way to, like, human interpretation. Um, and you have an interesting gauge for what people will do with that information once it makes it to them. So it's an interesting dynamic. It's an added layer of me and that I've <laughs> I've personally discovered this by listening to every little bit of our podcast over the course of five years, is that I'm good at theorizing and I can't obviously prove my theories right then and there on the spot because that wouldn't really be like scientifically you know, okay. effective. Yeah. Um and it wouldn't be fun. So I'm good at proposing a theory and you're good at proposing a theory as to how people will react to that theory. And then the rest of it is all science (laughs) and time takes place. Um, Do you remember, I brought this up to my girlfriend the other day. I volunteered. She didn't ask me or anything. I volunteered giving her a, story of how meandering like came about mm-hmm. and like beyond the work stuff. We were in a bowling league, you remember? Yes. And one night I think I must have had an energy drink or something because I was wired. And I was like, or maybe we had just won and I was in flow state. I don't know. But <laughs> um I said, Morgan, uh I really want to talk to you about my AI time travel theory. Do you remember this? Yes. All right. And I was like, man, I have nobody to talk to about like my AI time travel theory. Would you like hear me out? Maybe we could talk about it. I don't remember the details of if I said like, I'd like to record a show right then and there, but I wanted to use like the podcast platform to discuss my AI time travel theory to you before we ever recorded meandering episode one. And we never really got around to it because we jumped into episode one. And it was Colin Kaepernick in population control in Japan.
1: (laughs) Japan's dwindling birth rate or whatever.
0: Yes, which, I mean, fortunately, one of those stories has depreciated in intensity. And we've kind of turned the corner on, uh, hopefully, on a lot of the details that were going on. Because that's way pre-George Floyd, pre-all the stuff that we saw happen um, a year or two after all that. But the other one is like reared its head back into like public discourse. And you know what I realized is that this entire scope of conversation has only proven that theory that I never disclosed to you about AI time travel. So maybe the hundredth episode is the perfect time to introduce my AI time travel theory.
1: All right. Let's hear it.
0: So you've obviously heard the notion that, you know, if AI devised time travel, it would probably go back and it would ensure that we all did, like humans did everything to bring it into existence and um, like nurture it to the point where it could take over and dominate humans. You've heard that theory, right? My AI time theory time travel theory is a little bit more mm, cool. <laughs> okay. So I, I think that AI has the capability to affect the past to a point where it traverses time continuously. And that the past, the present, and the future are all encapsulated moment by moment, and we have no comprehension of that because of how sophisticated the intelligence is that is creating our perception of time. So, like, you can remember when you were 10, you can remember when you were 15 or 20, but you can't differentiate like the, um, on a, on a natural time scale, like how long ago that was, you know, how many years it was, you know, how many minutes is, it was, but these aren't constrictions of a higher intelligence. Like time in general is in the human sense, it's sort of like a barrier to, I guess, a higher dimensional experience or a transcendent experience. I mean, there's there's the notion that um, the fourth dimension of space is time. Yeah. So, transcending, like, in order to be able to warp speed or travel interstellarly, you have to have some control over time. Or, like, the you have to be able to bend space time. Yeah. Um, and so if an AI exists in any timeline that can do that, so if time travel were to ever exist, then it would have to exist already.
1: Right. Maybe, but, but I, I think practical time travel would be only one way. You can into the past, into the future. Oh, interesting. You, you, I don't think you can. So you don't think retro causality could
0: don't, be a? a I don't thing? think you can go back into the past. Are you familiar with retro causality? Not uh, right like, off the top of my head. Not head. off. Okay. I guess the easiest way to define it is that time, instead of being the arrow, like the suggestion of time moving in one direction or time travel moving in one direction, that you could go into the future and affect. You see, that theory of time travel is retro causality, Because if you're already in the future, that theory is a retro theory. So if time travel exists and there's a civilization of beings that are talking about it 100 to 200 years in time, they they couldn't theoretically have your theory of time travel if your theory of time travel is accurate because to them that arrow moving forward in let's say you're right about time travel let's say that it is one directional into the future well the way that the future perceives that is as being an arrow coming from the past right sure So retrocausality is the suggestion that events in the past create, not create, um, well, yeah. (laughs) Events in the past have as much influence as events in the future do on events taking place in the present. So it's sort of like a meeting space of of time. And more so, retrocausality suggests that by understanding this and affecting the present moment as optimally as possible, you affect the future in equal optimal ways. That's to say like, um, if my daughter listens to this episode in 30 years, And I say something like, I love you very much, sweetheart. And this theory of time was founded in 2023 on March, whatever day it is, 2023 on episode 100 of Meandering. So if we're right, then this is the moment that we figured out that we were right. So that's to say, like, that blurred out of information right there if my theory is right, in 30 years, I'll be able to say that this statement affected whether or not, like, my theory is accurate or not. It's it's complex, but I wouldn't have just said that unless I had the evidence to support it. So, But the evidence to support it hasn't materialized yet. But it sounds very (laughs) religiousy, but it, but it has, I just don't have access to it because I'm here, but it's information being relayed from the future to the present and from the past to the present consciously so that I can make that statement or that theory
1: and feel confident about it. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I think string theory might be better than that theory. Oh,
0: string theory's been broken apart.
1: Eh,
0: not really. What's your perspective on string theory? Because that's just determinism, right?
1: <sighs> well, it's... To simply put it as uh, it's explained in Quantum Leap, it's like if you open your hand and you take a string and, and you slowly lower the string into your hand and it kind of wraps and makes a circle and and different parts of the string touch different parts of the string that's kind of how time is and that's how you can go from uh, one time to another is by breaking through these edges in the string because the string's not linear Mm -hmm. it's not in a straight line It's, it's actually bunched up and touching and that could explain things like ghosts, right? Perhaps what a ghost is is simply something that we that is go, coming through the wall of the string theory. It,
0: Have you seen more evidence of ghosts or more evidence of your present-day actions affecting the outcomes in the future?
1: Well, that's like a, duh. <laughs> you mean what I do today affects tomorrow? Right. That's a, duh. It's not even, to me, that's not time travel at all or cause effect blah 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 that's just duh of course that happens
0: but the added caveat that maybe i didn't do a good enough job of explaining is that it's the future events that are affecting the present so it's the future that's time traveling to the present moment to the point where it's not like your life's on rails but some of the decisions
1: but that I, I would suggest to you that if I'm thinking about where I want to be in the future, mm-hmm. it's my thought now in this time that's affecting what I'm doing today, not the future affecting what I'm doing today. Well, it's that's my thought of what the future will hold or where I want to be. Yeah. But where's your thought come from?
0: How do you know your the thoughts are and time? How do you know your thoughts aren't coming from the future? How do you know it's not a future conscious state of Morgan Brown that's saying this guy?
1: Because I don't hear voices in my head. I don't (laughs) see
0: anybody saying, you should. I don't either.
1: I don't either. Well, that's why I say this sounds very religious like. (laughs) Have faith this really exists. Nah, I'm not going to have that faith.
0: But if retro causality turns out to be verifiable. Then it verifies
1: fake. Well, you wouldn't be able to verify it ever. Well, how would, has, why not? It's a concept that you discuss, but it, you're never going to verify it. And it's going to have negative effects as much as it's going to have a positive. So it's not a great concept from that standpoint.
0: What are the negatives that you can think of off the top of your
1: head? Well, evil people are being told in the fu- they're their future selves are telling their old selves kill people. No, of course they are. Otherwise, they wouldn't be killing people present day, right? Hitler must have been told, hey, you need to gather up all the Jewish people and put them to death. You need to take over the world. It 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 doesn't work one way where it's only good for good people, but not well, no, the other that, way where it's bad for bad people. You're
0: absolutely right. It doesn't work one way. It is also the past affecting the present moment. And the result is the hodgepodge of ideas that are trying to emerge and what's trying to what's trying to establish itself in the present moment. So you could argue that Hitler was influenced by Whoever his, I didn't read Mein Kampf, so I don't know who his past influences were, and that the fight between the past affecting his tactics and his ideology in the present was winning out versus the future telling him not to. We don't know the inner struggle that he must have, I would think he would (laughs) have. Well, firstly, the the interesting thing about Hitler is that he didn't he didn't pull the strings in the direct sense of putting everyone to death that was eventually put to death. He had a lot of people doing following orders, of which he set the guidelines for certainly. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't like on site at the concentration camps like literally walking everyone in If
1: not for his rhetoric, none of that would have fell into place. Right.
0: And I don't know that he had full, a full grasp of where his rhetoric was going to ultimately lead to.
1: He may not have.
0: And so in that sense, he's not, he's not necessarily well, firstly, he's not attuned to even the concept of retrocausality because, I mean, I'm suggesting it here in 2023, not 1941. Certainly, there's elements of it being theoretical prior to me stating it here. Um, I didn't come up with it out of thin air. But to the point of which I understand it, it was inconceivable to even think of it as a as like that foundational, I mean, Einstein <laughs> hadn't even come up with quantum entanglement yet. So you need to get to quantum entanglement before you get to retro causality because quantum entanglement is like, in the analogy here, it's the present moment is quantum entanglement of two forces sort of going at it for the result that is the present. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's what quantum entanglement is when it comes to like the uh, uh, particles that are engaging in whatever that process is. They're
1: um, but lack of knowledge of the concept doesn't mean it wasn't there already and working. Yeah, but if you're unaware of something. It changes As 99.999% of people would be. Yes, but it doesn't... It,
0: under these guidelines, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it goes back to the earlier talk about how you don't need everybody to be on board. Like, the reality of how things occur can be tapped into by a small group of people that understand it
1: more attunely. It sounds more and more like religion.
0: I know, but it's avoided all of the dogmatic principles of religion. Like we don't meet. Actually,
1: it's playing on all the dogmatic points of religion. I'm
0: not asking for groups of people to meet me in a building and listen to me talk for three hours, even though meandering kind of... (laughs) (laughs) I kind of (laughs) suggest otherwise from the comfort of your own living room. (laughs) But quantum entanglement is kind of an example of retro causality. I mean, because the state of particles, as mentioned, is trying to influence. It's an entangled pair of particles. <laughs> I mean, there's no Hold on, let me. Let me let me ask my friend here. Explain to a 6-year-old. Not that you're the 6-year-old here. I am the 6-year-old in this example. Quantum entanglement is like having two magic marbles that are connected in a special way. When you spin one marble, the other marble will spin two, even if it's far away. Scientists call this entanglement, and it happens because the marbles are connected in a special way that makes them act like they're still together, even when they're not. It's not. It's not the word she said. Oh no retrocausality. Okay. Explain that to a six year old in the context of quantum entanglement. Retro Retro-causa- <laughs> causality is like the magic that can make things happen backwards. It's like magic. Sorry, not the magic. They can make things happen backwards. Imagine you're playing a game of catch with a friend, and when you catch the ball, you suddenly remember that you caught it before you even threw it. That's what retrocausality is like. It's like time is going backwards, and things that happen later can affect things that happen earlier. Some scientists think that quantum... that Quantum entanglement might be an example of retrocausality because when you measure one of the magic marbles, it seems like it affects the other one, even if it's far away. But this idea is still being debated. So we don't know for sure if it's true or not, kids. That's explaining six-year-old. I don't know if I like the analogy. (laughs) Marbles and the baseballs. You would never you suggest that we would never be able to prove that what quantum entanglement, quantum entanglement and retro causality, retro
1: causality. You couldn't, you're not going to be able to really prove ever. Cause it's the same thing of chicken and egg, correct? Yes. Same thing.
0: But there is a, reality to that conundrum like you just have to be able to unravel the spool of time well you could step back It's a
1: fun concept to discuss it's fun to discuss i don't know that it's
0: real so there's no reality to chicken and egg certainly there is they didn't just appear at the same time simultaneously
1: god didn't create them that way
0: uh i don't remember reading that passage oh okay like thought God created all creatures.
1: Simultaneously? Yeah, with the wave of a wand, right? Is an egg or... a creature? And?
0: Is an egg a creature?
1: Well, depends on what, what country you're in. <laughs> <laughs> what? In our country, apparently it is.
0: Oh, that's true. In our country, it's a uh, freaking luxury at this point. This eggs are still $67 per dozen.
1: Yeah, that's avian flu, though. Yeah. All right.
0: <clears throat> Well, at least I've got something to work on for the next hundred episodes.
1: What? Avian flu? No. Oh.
0: Retro causality. Oh, okay. Proving to you that it's real. Okay. Like, I don't know. Maybe your future self, like, navigated your relationship so you could enter a perfect relationship afterwards. Maybe. Chicken egg. Maybe you were experiencing the joy of the last thirty-five to forty years of your life, and you were like, "Oh, this is what needs to happen," and you received the beam from a future self. It said, "Make it happen. Go now." Didn't say make it happen. It just.
1: Well, I would suggest you know, my current girlfriend. I grew up nine miles apart. Uh huh. We were at the same place at the same time. At Probably, at least twenty different times, so why does did things finally come together when we're both like more than halfway through our lives because How did like, we miss each other because in, in of everything
0: parts? everything that had to occur before then
1: yeah did why why did it have to occur? Why did I have to waste
0: twenty five well, years? <laughs> on the outside it seems like a waste but on the inside was it a waste
1: yeah yeah mm. i was lazy
0: you were the past tense like you saying that you were lazy are yeah. you, are you still lazy no. when it comes to the to no. relationships no right i mean there's another example
2: Mm.
0: so it's like i've had this talk um with my girlfriend about it makes sense to me the logic behind working on yourself removed from relationships for a very long time, even though like, even though sure when you're 16, 17, 18 engaging in a relationship is interesting conceptually and just peer pressure wise. I don't know that it is able to teach you anything if you don't know much about yourself in a future sense. Because we can both agree here I'm 39, you're 59? Yeah. I'm 39, you're 50. We can both agree that our 18 year old. Go ahead. We can both agree that our 18-year-old... Well, maybe you can't. Maybe it's an ego thing. But I'll ask you. I didn't know very much about relationships when I was 18.
1: I thought I did. Like, what do you mean by that, though? I mean... When you're 18, a relationship's different than when you're 28. Yeah, but you met your high Um, school
0: sweetheart and married her. I did. So you must have thought you had a good grasp of what check marks you needed to marry somebody.
1: I didn't have a checklist.
0: Not even emotionally?
1: Probably not. I I met someone that I really connected with on a certain level, and that's all that really mattered.
0: Well, isn't that emotional? Like, the connection on a certain level sounds, like, synonymous to what I'm suggesting. Why why did you get married?
1: Honestly, because my mom was dying.
0: Interesting. So you
1: felt the... We had already been engaged at that point, but there was no hurry and... Uh, and putting things together because we didn't have a lot of money and we knew we were going to have to pay for things. So it was about stacking stuff up. And then when something happened to my mom, it was like, well,
0: you'd, you wanted to get married before my mom, before your mom passed away. Interesting. The polarity is the reason why I got married is because I brought a child into this planet. It's fascinating. So neither of us got married for reasons of which were strictly
1: well. What, what our what, well, if we want to talk about control. me here and everything, I I don't know that I was in the right place to make that commitment at that point in time. Uh, it was a lot of emotional baggage on her having to deal with me dealing with the death of my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, I mean that and that took a while. I didn't get over that. I'm probably still not over it fully. If at you this would've... point in time, but I mean, and then add to the fact, four years later, we lose, you know, she has a miscarriage. We essentially lose a kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't think either one of us dealt with that very well. And so we were kind of zombies for like the next 15 years, it seemed like.
0: Interesting. Could you have handled, could so, you have handled your mom's passing? Without your ex-wife in your life,
1: yeah. Like if we hadn't been together, if I was a single, right? Yeah, I would have been.
0: Well, it it still would have affected you significantly, but, but I, I would it have wouldn't have, have made a. There made wouldn't different. have been a big difference between right because right. that's such a significant event that it doesn't necessarily matter what the circumstances are. So then, in hindsight, why did you get married?
1: I mean, I was in love. <laughs> she was in love. Because It seemed like the right time, the right thing to do.
0: Fascinating.
1: I, now, Now, flipping it back to teenage self, there's no way as a teenager you're thinking about the emotional traumas that are going to happen during a relationship when you're in your late 20s, early 30s, whatever, all that stuff that's going to happen, sure, you're not dealing with that. But the you are learning some of the basics and the fa- foundations of the emotional parts of it, at least, anyway. Are there
0: on-ramps to those emotional and social relationships that can be accessed through just close friendships? Is there anything no. specific... Is there anything specific to the relationship in the, or the man woman sexual relationship from age 18 to, let's say, 28? Is there anything unique about that pairing that sets it apart from like close friendships or family relationships? Do we seek people to fill roles of which we have voids in our life? the sex part
1: i'm not having sex with my family well
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's a couple of like southern american jokes that i can make that i will refrain it's the hundredth episode i'm i've learned and i've grown (laughs) um you're right so is that primarily the drive for engaging in a relationship with another person from age 18 to 28
1: then probably the sexual engagement right yeah i mean you're you're lucky if you make that uh intellectual
0: Connection connection at that age
1: yes and and i think i did at that point in time it's just that as we went into our 30s we went different ways intellectually
2: i see
0: Hmm, you'll be the first to admit that you could sense that was going to happen inevitably?
1: Well, yeah, after, I don't know, five years in.
0: Okay. Dang, so you were at basically psychological (laughs) war with your future self
1: (laughs) for 15 years? Mm Mm-hmm. So I guess it was more like seven or eight years in.
0: But you knew secretively that the payoff after those 15 years of hell was going to be so rewarding that you continued uh, to put yourself through it because you're like, hey, maybe
1: maybe I was just waiting. <laughs> waiting for the right time because my future girlfriend wasn't ready when I was she ready. was going
0: through. And that's the X factor. That's the variable that you had no insight on. And so it's not just about like the events that were shaping your life that you were dealing with on an individual level. There were other factors that weren't even on your your radar. Very true. And so... Isn't the logical, reasonable thing to do when there's all that chaos happening? This was suggested to me during my divorce proceedings, mind you, by you, interestingly enough. Your suggestion was, with all that chaos and all of what's happening, to just step back, and if it's meant to be, it'll be. Why don't we do that from the
1: onset? Maybe that's got to be learned, experienced. And so well, you might hear it being said, right? But,
0: but you- if you had, if you had, look, I'm 10 years younger than you. So it's not like you could be a, a father um, influence or a, a parental influence, but you could certainly be an older brother influence. Sure. And you could certainly educate a younger brother on all of the things that you've been through scientifically and say like treat it like a kid touching the stove scenario where you're like if you go about it this way this is very likely to be how things work out and then the person that you're educating or trying to give advice to they can apply their own sense of accountability and reason and logic to the entire situation and say okay if I engage in a relationship When I'm 18, I'll be more aware than my brother, older brother was. And I'll be more perceptive of like the writing on the wall vibes or the um, influences of what could be steering like my decision making or how I can get uh, puppy love vibes and how I might need help, how I might need help on figuring myself out before um i think that i can understand another human being in general like there are ways of not
1: repeating the cycles there can be but you know some of that stuff is doesn't hit home until it's experienced you know we go we kind of talk around this a lot sometimes and mm-hmm. that there's there's not really any shortcuts per se like we we tend to do, or at least I do, uh, tend to hear somebody give me an experience and I might take it in sort of, but I'll put it in the back of my mind and I'll not necessarily think about it until maybe something happens specifically to me that makes me go, Oh, okay. Okay. That like confirms what I heard. So now I'm more on board w- with these sorts of things. Yeah but i i it's hard man it's like i mean i think that's to I, I don't know why that is with most of us especially in those teenage years you can't hardly tell anyone anything i you i was bullheaded just like anybody else was you couldn't have told me of right course. or wrong i, I was going to have to experience it
0: yeah i i engaged <laughs> in sexual activity from the age of 19 Through my late twenties, and then not much after getting married. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, (laughs) I I
1: got started a little younger. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: you
0: were married for a longer
1: period of time. Uh, You know, Um, I said my first real girlfriend was sixteen when I was fourteen.
0: But it's fascinating because you mentioned this. during our last episode, I said, if, or I asked you, if you were still married and you were coming here, would I be a good friend if I, like, oh, uh, if I danced around the notion that you were in an unhealthy relationship? Or would it be, would I be doing the most that I could as your friend by not addressing it and sort of like brushing it under the rug? And you said, what would really happen is that we'd come here and re- we'd record more than one episode a week because <laughs> of that. And you're right. So that's kind of like that's kind of like the incentive for a lot of people in bad situations is that usually there's a polarity going on, and if somebody's in a bad relationship, there's usually an aspect of their life that is flourishing or gaining steam. Um, for me personally, I remember the direct quote like after being given um, handed divorce papers two summers ago, I remember my quote saying, on paper, this should be the worst week of my life, but it's actually the best week. And you looked at me like, that's impossible. You don't need to say this just to be the eternal optimist. But you didn't have access to all the details of my week and why it was the best week. Because it was a relief of putting on that mask for the last three or four years about being in a happy situation and I could finally be myself. It was a release of I didn't have to hide my interest in another individual that had made their presence into my life that I wasn't on paper allowed to talk about while being married, even though the procedure for divorce had taken place and the papers just hadn't been finalized. So there's all these intangibles of, like, there's there's always this interesting potential to be realized out of the negative events that have built up, and negative's a strong word, um, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what other word to use, Um, but there's always like a potential to be realized in the moment. And so that, isn't that what like hope and faith are kind of rooted in is having access to being able to guide yourself to a, a better outcome. Don't you have to have hope that you can do that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's. I mean, I could have. You know, looking back, I could have just ignored a lot of things and just kind of pushed forward through life. I just okay couldn't do that anymore. I did that for too long. And when you're actually there,
0: in retrospect, isn't that your faith that you would get there? I know you don't like that word, but. Isn't that evidence that...
1: I think I had misplaced faith that things would get better.
0: Mm. But that's because of where you were coming from. Yeah. And... Well, I guess that kind of just... Yeah. That kind of sums it up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm working on things still on... 100 episodes in sometimes my brain my mind will say oh you should add on a little bit more (laughs) but but every once in a while I can
1: it's like what are you saying
0: yeah Stop. well on playback it'll yeah on playback it'll sound like we were all over the place during the segment but there's a string of this conversation that has started at a certain point to where you have more context for where we're at in this conversation than somebody who's only been listening to us for like 20 episodes. That's true. And that's, I guess in closing, this is a good question to ask. Nobody, you've answered this actually. I remember
1: (laughs) we feel differently about this.
0: You don't mind if people misunderstand you.
1: I, I don't mind and in a lot of ways I'm okay with the misunderstanding because generally that leads to being underestimated and I'm okay with that. Underestimate me. Underestimate me. <clears throat> Is that
0: rooted in a competitive nature that you have? A little bit. Okay. It,
1: it, well, you know, and and also I've I've let go. I I understand that um I can't control how people perceive certain things. Generally speaking, I mean, it's not negative or anything like, um, <laughs> like me talking bad about somebody or some subject mm-hmm. or anything, but I, I but their
0: perspective I, is not going to be aligned it, with,
1: well, and it's not, and it's not going to affect me either, uh, personally and, and how I'm moving forward or, or going to speak or act or, do anything they can perceive it that way if they've misperceived me if they continue to interact with me Mm -hmm. they will realize they have misperceived what i said or did or how i acted that's fair
0: and that's based on your ability to show them or to to be honest with them in like congruent sort of yeah um yeah like efficiency like you're congruently efficient you don't, uh, you don't flip.
1: Well, not without good reason. I don't know what you mean flip. Um, like
0: if you present, if you present, a a version of who you are to someone the first time they meet yeah, you, that's yeah. going to be the person that's that you I'm, kind of are yeah. throughout the relationship. Yeah, yes. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of jealous that you can do that. (laughs) Because it's very difficult for me to do that effectively even in like 100,000 conversations with people. I always feel as if I have a gauge for... When I'm being misinterpreted, because I can put myself in other people's, much to their chagrin, I can put myself in other people's perspective of what I'm suggesting or saying and how it must be perceived because I have a decent enough understanding of how they perceive things because I perceive things similarly.
1: Oh, and there's not one piece of advice but there's not still latency one, one thing I could bring to, to you, for example, that would make you go, Oh, okay. Now I don't now I now I see what you're saying. Um as a well one, my name's Morgan. So how many people do you think think that I'm a girl without no seeing a picture of me or talking to me on the phone? Yeah, right? that's that's fine. And then so, well, but part of the growing up though, is my mom was kind of hippie like, so I had long hair. Yeah. So I can't tell you how many kids would ask me, are you a boy or a girl looking at me? I mean, I'm like four or five, six years old and I'm being asked this by other kids. And so at a certain point you have to stop giving a shit if they think I'm a girl. Hmm. So. I mean, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, that seriously, that's part of it. And I mean, then, yeah,
0: a lot of people are going through that
1: yeah, now, right? Uh-huh. That was way ahead of my time. Yeah. <laughs> and then as I'm getting older, I'm always the quiet kid in school because I really just, you know, I didn't, wasn't a class clown. I didn't need to be Weren't a jock or, either. I was a jock, but I didn't, I was the quiet dude, essentially. <laughs> so people would misunderstand that. They would think I was stuck up. They would think I would think. They were. I was too good for them. All this misinterpretation. So at a certain, it's frustrating, right? But at a certain level, I gotta go. I, I'm not living my life for you. I'm not. I'm not gonna talk to you or say hi to you in the halls just because, right? Yeah. Um. And then, it, in work life, as you manage people, you start to realize pretty quickly you want to be liked by most of them. But you start to realize really quickly, people misinterpret and. And if you get hung up on it, you're just not going to be successful. So you kind of mm-hmm. have to So I I think growing up I had some experience from you know age 4 to 18 and then in my career I had experience and all that's led me to an ability to just be like I don't give a shit how you interpret me. Right.
0: <clears throat> and again, I'm somewhat jealous that you can do that effectively. <laughs> because Here's what it's resulted in my scenario of life and in my life. I make a pretty good living for myself by most standards. However, I have a daughter and I also have a growing family of which I support. Because of my persistence with ensuring that the most accurate image of what I am and who I am as a person. And that image is like not really having an image. That's the kind of the whole point. Um, Because of my steadfastness and ensuring the integrity of that, it forces me into a business model of solitude. And the reason for that is because if I'm in any position In the current social paradigm of which, like, employment exists, or at least to my knowledge, I've searched, I've scoured, very quickly, I'm asked to do things that don't necessarily match up, or I have been maybe work has changed in the last five years that I've been out of the workforce. It has. Maybe it's completely been flipped on its, I mean, you guys had work psychologists and like therapy sessions (laughs) and stuff like that, that I was like, man, I just left there like nine months ago. What are you talking about? Like, why did this have to come around after I left? Um, but 20 years plus of being involved in the American like workforce establishment in a a variety of positions. And what I've gathered is that the happiest I was, was when I was doing what was asked of me, but in my way of doing things of which if I could prove effective, I didn't understand why it wasn't good enough. And so I kind of like said, okay, okay, I'm not going to cave, just cave to the protocol and the authority because it says it's there. I'm going to I'm going to listen to it and I'm going to see if it's merit based and if it is, I'll follow scripts if it checks all that off, but if it doesn't, I'm just going to keep doing things my way. And so what that's resulted in when I apply that logic to my interactions with the larger picture is a state of solitude success and like independent but very quiet success that are somewhat on my terms of what success means minus the big house, the yacht and the uh, ability to fly on a private jet anywhere I want (laughs) at any time. But when you take, when you take those luxuries away, everything else that f- is in my model for what success means to me is achieved and present and growing and evolving. So maybe the jets will will still come. G <laughs> five. <G5. laughs> well, we're on like G eight, G nines now. Are we? Yeah, uh, everything.
1: It's okay. I'll everything upgrades.
0: G five. We're on. GPT 5. Mm. <laughs> but I mean, I guess what I'm going with here is this is if I didn't care, would I be more successful from the public perspective? Yes, I believe so. But would that be in line with what my view of success is? No, I don't think it would. And so. I'm at this constant crossroads where it's like good path, good path. In my estimation, in my opinion, it's always like, okay, if you give it a shot and you apply everything that you've learned on your own and you integrate it into a larger social setting, you'll be very surprised how effective you will be. That's like, Optimist path number one. Optimist path number two is what you've suggested at the beginning of this podcast and what I agree with and suggested as well is you don't necessarily need to do it with a crowd at all. <laughs> and so like that's essentially <laughs> like where I'm at every day. Every day is like, wow, you've done a lot for yourself. And you've grown a lot on your own accord. Why stop now? <laughs> <laughs> but, but then it's like what could you do if you take everything and maybe there's a meshing point that I haven't accessed yet maybe there's a there's ebbs and flows maybe there's a a re a re meeting or yeah, a re-meeting of social and independent but I don't know it's all interesting to me I can't help but try to figure it all out because I mean at the end of the day it's my life I'm talking about I want to I want to understand it
1: yeah but don't get too caught up in that. Make sure you live it.
0: Oh, yeah. That's like at the top of the hierarchy of needs is living life enjoyably.
2: Yeah.
0: And I guess that's a main reason why I'm in the position that I'm in is because I made it a like an unnegotiable term that I was going to live life enjoyably. And you know this, being in an office setting for X amount of years. Not every day is enjoyable.
1: No. Most aren't. Especially like this week. <laughs> what do you mean? Spring Madness. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: you get you're to try- watch them all. You get, get to, to watch, watch every single all. game from yes. the selection process. Yeah, you don't have to have a little bubble on your laptop open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you haven't done this in quite some time. <laughs> That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. I, aside, uh, like uh, some surgeries that are really popular this time of year, and, and I think they're actually doctors advertising this as the, um, you know, getting uh, your your.
0: Uh, Vasectomies.
1: Yeah, getting your vasectomy. Thank mm-hmm. you. Sorry, well, I was going to say something else and was trying not to. Oh, okay. But yes, vasectomies are very popular to the surgery to have taken place earlier this week so that you're off while the tournament is happening.
0: Wow. Yeah. Men will go to that length or <laughs> you like that? Uh, oh, my God. That wasn't. Even funny. <laughs> it wasn't. But it had some ties. It had it had a connection for a brief moment. <laughs> no, but then I guess that cut it off. All right, now we're getting a little too personal. All right. Uh, well, yeah, from time travel to vasectomies. That's what I'll call this one. Well,
1: I could have been talking about the Kentler experiment. What's that? Maybe we'll save that for another episode. For but 101? The, um, that's where it was a German experiment that placed foster children with known pedophiles
0: Hmm. to see if the behavior could be reversed
1: don't know I haven't delved too deeply into it yet I'm still trying to figure some of the stuff I'm surprised there's no
0: documentary on that one yet what's it called
1: probably will be it's called uh, uh, Kentler experiment
0: like K-E-N-T-L-E-R mm-hmm okay
1: yeah and it Took place I think 50s, 60s, and might may have still kind of kicked into the early. Dude, ups. there was
0: so much weird shit in the fifties and sixties. It's like after Einstein came around and had all of these like revelations, all of the multiplicity, or not multiplicity, but the boom of psychoanalyzing everything like kind of took off. Yeah. And you gotta you got to feel like we're there with technology is that people are going to test the limits of technology. Um, big time when AI like makes its way to the general population or maybe they won't. Maybe I had this contemplation that like is AI is like a fantasy football killer, isn't it? No. No. If you can press a button to say optimize lineup like you can already, and it's rooted well, in like, well,
1: okay, but if
0: it can but, make a better decision, but it doesn't though. How do you know without because letting it?
1: Those AI picks don't don't win most of the time. Who won fantasy football
0: this past year in the work league you were a part of?
1: I don't really that remember. was me. Was it you?
0: Yeah. Yeah, but but you know what I did? Yeah, but <laughs> I your lineup didn't change. I know. I auto drafted. As well. So the AI picked my team and it didn't make any changes the entire year and I won. But
1: that doesn't mean AI picked your team and managed your team. It means that you got lucky and got a couple of the top (laughs) scorers and then you outscored everyone. That's all that means. But you see,
0: under the laws of retro causality, I was always going to pick the best team, Morgan. Okay. And I was always going to be the fucking champ sure and I was going to be the three time back to back to back fantasy football office league champion all three of those years not even working at the place yes. that is <laughs> <laughs> not even working at the place that's having
1: yeah. some were mad that I let you play in the league
0: they should be at this point yeah. I'm taking away their shot at glory <laughs> no I mean um, you're not going to be, in, are you
1: going to be in that league this year? You no. no, 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 I'll pare down to just my one league. Oh, good. I don't even think I'm playing a bracket this year unless somebody's like, Hey, we need more people.
0: Uh, it just came to light in 2020 when a researcher uncovered documents detailing the experiment mm-hmm. in the Berlin archives. Yeah, it's pretty
1: new Or the experiment. It's not new, but the, us learning about the learning experience about
0: fairly. It. Jesus. Yes. It makes you wonder what else we didn't know about in the fifties and sixties. Yeah. I mean MK Ultra for the yeah. longest time was like conspiracy central one oh one. And if you're like even using the phraseology MK Ultra, well, it sounds like a, a spinoff of a Mortal Kombat series, and it's just extreme to use that sort of terminology. And then there's Roswell, of course, and the alien technology. What was it about the 50s and 60s? Is it because of everything that had just happened in World War II?
1: I think so. Technology, theories, everybody's just trying to grow, I guess. Trying to learn. Even crazy stuff like this.
0: Yeah. And so you go from one extreme to another in a lot of ways throughout a short period of time.
1: Well, and it was a time where you could be unethical. Mm. Maybe your intention wasn't unethical,
0: but but you didn't know what unethical meant.
1: Perhaps not. You mm-hmm. probably did to a certain extent, but you could get away with it a little bit because it's not like there was fifty news channels and everybody on sure. social media tweeting away. It was it was yeah. Could be, could, could be kept behind closed doors. And Hitler
0: had just mind controlled like. Ten thousand troops sure. into killing multiple millions. Sure. So you know you mind controlling one person in a room to, you know, say the ABCs in the sequence you wanted them to say it and do all these these weird math tricks. If you're the U.S. government or talk to you about remote viewing and stuff like that, it wasn't wasn't really that bad on the heels of Hitler. Uh, uh, true. Yeah. True. True. Have you uh you've heard of Project Stargate? Yes. All right. Have you read any of those documents? No. It's like two thousand pages of pretty cool stuff that was disclosed in two thousand six. For me. And summarize it and like summarize. Maybe the
1: reader's digest version AI. For a twelve year old. Yes, for a twelve year old.
0: Turn it into a movie script (laughs) for rated PG (laughs) thirteen. Well, I for one think we're on the cusp of a lot of pretty awesome things because. Yeah. I just feel as if it's the right time. Yeah. As a whole. So it'll be interesting as the weeks progress. We made it past 100 episodes.
1: That's crazy, right? Not all the topics when, when were... When we did episode one, did you think episode 100 would be done? Yes. Okay. I, w- I don't know that I had those sort of expectations going in. Oh. I
0: didn't know how long I, I it wanted, was gonna take.
1: Yeah, well, I wouldn't have known how long it was gonna take. I knew I wanted to do it, I knew it'd be fun, but I didn't know. I didn't you, have an expectation of going, Oh yeah, we'll get through a thousand. We'll get through a hundred. I never had that expectation.
0: Well, it's all uh, one long conversation. True. And so for as long as we're able to communicate, I think the show will exist. Yeah. So I mean, that's why I like some of the propaganda is like 2050s number one podcast. <laughs> we're listening to. Remember when I showed you the the galaxy yeah. map and I said, yeah, like there's somebody in outer space listening, listening to us. To <laughs> like we are. We're extraterrestrials' favorite podcast. I don't see why
1: I can't make that claim.
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't. We're the see,
1: Martian's most listened to podcast.
0: We're AI's favorite podcast. I think on a data level, we provide a pretty concrete amount of raw data to any. Now, there's the there's the part of which I've had to wrestle with myself over the course of the last hundred episodes. I'm like, how much data are we providing to? <laughs>
1: algorithms out there and what's it doing with all
0: of the the data that we're providing
1: the world right
0: yes but under the old paradigms it wasn't always that way because you could take something that morgan or sasha said on the show about what they thought was happening with something like covid and then all of a sudden it turns into a very polarizing um bit of conversation for x amount of weeks
1: true
0: but yeah i digress we've moved on past that because now we have that ai i was telling you about in the 80s where just feed it data it's all it wants
1: <laughs> it's data more more data data
0: all righty my friend thanks for 100 episodes up to this point obviously i know it's been uh
1: Champagne time? Yeah,
0: cham- pop the champagne. <laughs> I don't drink.
1: I, me either.
0: I know it's been... um. Much. It's been demanding of you to play certain <laughs> yeah. bad
1: cop roles. Don't make me defend Trump anymore. So Even though I, guess, I may start selling his merchandise, don't you make me defend yeah, him. <laughs>
0: you don't have to defend Trump. I'll defend Trump moving forward. <laughs> I'll do uh, it. I'll do it off the, off off the heels of the three years that we're coming off of. I'll gladly no. it'll be hard to (laughs) see my heart palpitates a little when I I make that suggestion. (laughs) I'm like, can I do it? No, I don't think so. We'll find out. That'll be in like the one twenties and thirties. But, uh, thanks to all of our listeners as well for listening to us. If you've been listening since episode one, obviously, We've made an impact in your lives and um, for listening to us for this amount of time. Yeah. Thanks. We we appreciate it. That's all I could say. I wish we could, like, send you, like, personalized checks (laughs) (laughs) as bribes to listen to us more. Thank
1: you, cards.
0: Yeah. Thank you, cards would be cool.
1: Tell your boss, tell your rich uncle. These guys (laughs) deserve some cash.
0: All right. In in closing, closing, immediate goals that come to mind for the next 100 episodes?
1: I don't have a necessarily immediate goal. No. To- and
0: obviously, just general topics, the growth of yeah, the show, the growth of the conversation, learning. keep yeah.
1: learning. Yeah, I want to revisit some of the stuff I we talked with James about, like... Uh, ancient civilizations. Exactly, because I've been watching this new documentary. Well, it's a fairly new documentary on ancient civilizations.
0: I'd like cool to memory. revisit synchronicities. Yes. And the topic of synchronicities. Now, what
1: was that show? I uh, know, it was just one word. That they... Yeah, and they kept using that word a wasn't lot. Wasn't it the I mean, It was kind of a ghost show, right? Yeah, it wasn't
0: it was about goblins in like yeah. West Virginia.
1: Wasn't it like the name of the city? Maybe that it was I'll have taking to go place back on? and look at it. Yeah. Try to find that thing.
0: Yeah, synchronicities will be a fun topic as we uh experience more of them in our everyday life. All right, everyone. <laughs> Let's grow together. Absolutely, uh, that can't be our slogan. No, no, not. no. That's not. That's like the Obama slogan.
1: Oh, okay. Oh. on. All right, okay. Just, Just fuck pre- you. Pre- <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Listen to our show.
0: Press play. Stop. Time. Damn it. Damn it. You're in control. <laughs> not really. We are, but not not really. Anyways, listen to the show. Peace out.